Hey everybody, Mike Dempsey here. It's NFL playoff time, and you can still win playing Underdog Fantasy by picking higher or lower on player stats at underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with promo code 1010XL, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Lauren and RJ, The Frangie Show, starts now on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Hey, welcome in. Glides along for the ride on a Thursday installment of our program. Our Thursdays are always brought to you by our friends at Stanley Pools since 1988. The pool builder in all of Jacksonville. Glad you're along on this Thursday. Frangie and Carline, Lauren Brooks, RJ Saunders. And, man, we love the River House. Now uh, the Cantina Rio, which is the restaurant bar in the River House. And it is great to be here on the JU campus, JU against Queens College tonight. A little A-Sun basketball, and I'm looking forward to it. I think you say it, Rio. Is that how you say it? <laughs> I didn't know that. I just wanted to roll my R's. <laughs> well done, well done. <laughs> so you got that going for you. You do. It's going to be a big night here. It's, uh, it's certainly a huge night for the Dolphins. Uh, they are uh, they're needing a win in conference play, uh, no doubt about it. And uh, it looks good tonight. You know, they're, they're undefeated at home. They're 6-0 at home. Queens is 0-9 on the road. And uh, Vegas likes JU tonight by two and a half. I think they cover that. Yeah, it, it's a, they need to get going. And Jordan Mincy, the terrific basketball coach for JU, will join us in about 20 minutes or so. So we'll talk JU basketball. We saw the Dolphins last week against a very good UNF team. I thought they battled. I thought it was a, it was a the JU led most of the first half, led at the half, led early on. But that UNF team's good now. They're le- like legit, legit. They went to that zone, which I thought changed the game. And when it was able to pull away from JU, but I love it when the two teams battle. I love being on one of the campuses. Oh yeah, absolutely. And what we know about JU is they're always going to be tough defensively. And this team, I think, now it's going to feel really good to get home. This is their first home A Sun game yeah. of the season, so you know how this crowd is at Swisher Gymnasium. So I, th- I think it's going to be a fun night. Yeah, JU got off to a nine and five start and played really well in the off season. And then three straight, as Lawrence said, three straight uh, road games to start the A-Sun season. But I'll bet I agree with you, Hayes. I'll bet they get one going here against Queens. Queens is 7-11, 1-2 in the league. So, J.U. versus Queens, I'm looking forward to watching that one tonight. Stick around and watch the little hoop that comes up tonight uh, as well. Uh, a lot of fun things to get to. I, I want to get to Mike McCarthy. I want to get to Mike Tomlin. Florida State basketball team uh, playing well. Um, Reba McIntyre will sing the anthem. So all kind of fun. I can't wait to get some of this fun stuff in just a bit. But I want to get. I want to start with something um, far more important. You were locked in on Dance Moms. <laughs> we got. Did you learn anything? We got to Cantina Rio locked early in, today. Locked in, Carlion. And up over your left shoulder, your right shoulder, whatever your shoulders, uh, is Dance Moms on one of the TVs here, and they had the volume on. And I was trying to do work, and I kept getting distracted by this TV show where apparently it's like Real Housewives or maybe like one of the other reality shows that I don't really pay attention to. But it's grown women just screaming at each other, and that is very distracting. Isn't that the one where Abby, Kid like, Abby, like Abby, 
like the teacher Abby, like the, it like got arrested or something or wow. didn't, didn't, am, I, am I wrong about that? <laughs> I no, have but no that's idea. impressive what, pop what, culture. No, I think that. Well, listen, yeah. <laughs> nobody says pop culture quite like me. I, w- I mean, I, I it, that's not Abby. That's not. I don't like that in I Pittsburgh. Don't know. And, no, it was Abby, <laughs> and they were in Pittsburgh. I'm not. Am I wrong about that? I'll look it up. I. Uh, the I don't time think I've ever googled uh, anything about Dance Moms. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I mean, I'm going to I mean, we've we started a lot of shows with a bang before. Yeah. Not quite like this one. I mean, this is a great start to it. So okay. So I mean, it sounds like fantastic. I think there's Abby, and she's from Pittsburgh, and she got arrested. Well, she is from uh, Penn Hills, Pennsylvania, a okay. Pittsburgh suburb. All right. Her name is Abby. And she got arrested. I haven't found the arrest yet. I but think I'll, I, I'll so help know. me, I think Abby got arrested. Listen. Was this on a Pirates blog or <laughs> somehow? <laughs> I, no, it was all the rays like years ago. Oh, years ago. Abby okay. got arrested from Dance Moms. How do you know, oh, know that? So it's an older show. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, I expect Dance you to Moms know isn't stuff. like a Yeah, she was like indicted by the... Department of Justice for fraud. See? Wow. You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome uh, for me giving you that free of charge. Yeah. That's the kind of information you get on this now program. Now that you, like, work to get her acquitted like you did Lori Laughlin. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I've seen Abby. I've seen Lori Laughlin. They are different. <laughs> they are different. Apparently, youth sports, there can be a lot of embezzlement <laughs> going <laughs> yes, on in that can. world. Um, a lot of things to get to today on the program. We will talk JU basketball. Look forward to seeing Jordan Mincy in just a few moments. Um, Mike McCarthy not fired. You're shocked. You told I am me you shocked. Would be shocked. Yeah, I am shocked. Uh, yeah, I thought that was, uh, you know, I, I mean, look, I mean, Obviously, we've talked about the success he's had in the regular season, but I mean, hard to if the if the purpose of the mission is to win the Lombardi, and I have to think for Jerry Jones and the Cowboys, it is. I don't know how you have any confidence that this guy can do it. I mean, they they play their worst in the tournament. I mean, what what happened against the Packers was just an embarrassment. They didn't show up, and you know, is that that they press? You know, because they understand the. It's not just the pressure that he's. You know, part of this is the franchise before he arrived was was already choking. Uh, and so it doesn't help him that the history, we, kind of like what we said with Kirby Smart in Georgia. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not Kirby Smart's fault that Georgia hasn't won the national title since 1980. Now, eventually, he was obviously able to overcome that, and now he dominates the sport. But in looking at the Cowboys, yeah, it's the wrong decision if you want to win a Super Bowl. I mean, he, he, to, to put your faith – that he's going to win three of these games at a minimum in the tournament next year, I, I think is, I think it's farcical. So I mean, I, you know, I, I think it was a colossal mistake and one in which they will regret. I go just the other way. I think he's won twelve games three years in a row. I don't follow him closely, but that tells me they're, they're they think they're close. And I don't believe firing always fixes things. So I'm glad they. And I don't follow him. You know, I don't. I don't pretend to know the details, but. It's nice to be – I don't think I've ever seen – I don't think I've ever complimented Jerry Jones like ever in my career. But I think this is one time that I – you know what? The guy the guy won 36 regular season games in the last three years. Give him one – don't be – Jerry Jones wasn't convinced that firing him makes you better. Again, it's all about what makes you better. And he wasn't convinced that firing him, bringing in the new guy, changing the culture, changing the offense, changing the defense, changing the terminology wasn't. So I'm kind of glad he – and I kinda, I'm kind of that guy. But I'm, I'm, I'm a little surprised, too, by the way. Not shocked like he's a little surprised, too. I am surprised. But at the end of the day, like you said, I think Jerry Jones believes in Mike McCarthy's process. Even though in the postseason the process doesn't work, it's great in the regular season. I think he's afraid to take a step back and not win 12 games in a season. But you look at the Cowboys' schedule this past year, they didn't. the games that they won wasn't usually against really good teams. So I think people weren't as surprised at the fact that they lost in the postseason, even though it was to an upstart Packers And team. that really is how, to Hayes' point, how the world has changed. 
you know, 20 years ago, there's not a chance in the world you fire a coach that's had three straight 12-win seasons. Not, not a chance in the world. Now we fire him faster. And so it's almost like sometimes, honest to God, we're looking for reasons to fire him. Or, or, I mean, it's almost a surprise when someone doesn't get fired. Like, like this. Almost a, you know what I mean? It's almost like, well, the expectations are after a year or two, we're going to fire you. That's the expectation. Now, if you, have, if, you, if you mess up and go to a Super Bowl, we may not. But you, you know what I mean? It almost feels like sometimes we're going to hire you. We plan to fire you in a few years unless you, unless you do something unusual, and then we won't. Yeah, it's like the innocent until proven guilty. It's that's, the opposite. It's the opposite. But that's how it is, is you have to prove yourself as a coach. You don't get to keep that job just by being average. And I do think whether it's the Jaguars and the way the season ended, the Eagles the way the season ended, and that embarrassing loss to the Bucks last weekend, or if it's the Cowboys – if you're the head coach when there's a really embarrassing performance to end your season, then I think whether it's Sirianni, like I said, Doug Peterson, Mike McCarthy, then I understand why your job could be in jeopardy. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any chance Doug Peterson is on the hot seat unless they go 3-14. and 14. I mean, unless it's just a disaster, right? Do you agree with that? I would agree with that because I don't think Shad Khan is overly eager to make a change. So I, I think he won't make a change unless it's just – blindly obvious that he has to so yeah I would I mean I, I think that the expectation for the Jaguars should be that they make the playoffs or they find a new coach but I don't think that's how uh Shot Khan will view it if, if they're they go eight and nine he'll I'm sure he'll be like well you know we won eight games and let's you know bring him back so uh it, it's it's each club's different and I think mm-hmm. in Jacksonville they have an owner that you know is is loyal to a fault yeah, so, um, so, so, so we'll see. So we'll talk a little bit about coaching. Mike Tomlin says he's getting an extension. Do you think he is? Mike Tomlin? Yeah, yeah so I he think says so. Not only, not only is he going to make the last year, which they've agreed to apparently, he thinks he, I mean, he's been there 17 years. He, th- he thinks they're extending him. They should extend him. I mean, that's one where I think it's incredible what he was able to do this year with the talent. Kenny Pickett's terrible. And, uh, and he was able to guide them into the, a wild card berth. And so uh, the, the thing for the Steelers is this offseason – can they find a veteran that can push Pickett to being a backup? And whether that's Kirk Cousins, I, I think Gardner Minshew would make a lot of sense for Pittsburgh. They don't necessarily need a, a star. A star would be great. But they're good enough that I think as long as they have a reliable quarterback, they're going to win double-digit amount of games again. So I, that's going to be the, the key for the Steelers is can they, in the free agent market, can they land Cousins or Minshew – uh, and, and, you know, it, if they can't, then, you know, you're going to have to draft somebody to push uh, Pickett um, or maybe make a trade for a guy that, you know, a veteran that, that could be available. But if Pittsburgh fixes the quarterback, like if you put Kirk Cousins on the Steelers, they're going to win 12 games next year. A- assuming Cousins starts 17 games, I think they would win. I think they'd go 12 and 5. It does feel like they're built pretty well uh, elsewhere, doesn't it? I mean, the two backs are pretty good. The receivers, if Pickens continues to develop pretty good, the tight end's good, they have a good offensive line, and their defense is good. It does feel like other than quarterback, they have a pretty good team. Yeah, so you're right. So we'll if talk. they don't get a new quarterback, I feel like we're going to see George Pickens request a trade. Yeah, yeah. And well, he's like, that he guy. He is very yeah. volatile. And I will say they, they, they seem to think Mason Rudolph is the guy better than Pickett, which he is, and better than Trubisky, which he is. So I'm not sure he's very good either. He's just not as bad well, as the he, other two. He was smart enough once he got in to say, I'm going to throw it to George Pickens 15 right. times a game. Right. And good things are going to – I mean, some of the, like, Pickett would never throw to Pickens at all. I mean, it was like, what, what are you doing? Right. 
And, uh, and so I think Rudolph was smart enough to be like, well, I'm not going to make that mistake. I'm going to at least, you know, let George Pickens have the chance of having some big plays for us. And he delivered those last uh, few games. So, uh, yeah, Rudolph is a free agent too. Obviously, he's not going to command a lot of money at all. So, you know, I, if I was Pittsburgh, that would be more plan C for me. Plan A would be Kirk Cousins. Plan B would be Gardner Minshew. And then plan C would be Mason Rudolph. But if I have to go plan C, I'm also investing a, probably a second-round pick in a quarterback and hoping, hoping that maybe a Penix or, you know, somebody like that is available and, and can maybe give me something in the back half of the year. Yeah, I would have thought like a J.J. McCarthy would be available, but it seems like he has climbed up the draft boards. Yeah. Uh, Bo Nix is obviously going to be very high up the draft boards, too. Penix might be available yeah. there. It was funny how Tomlin started the press conference today. I'm in a much better mood. Any contract questions? <laughs> yeah, which is good because he walked out, which he doesn't do yeah. very often. Right, we'll talk some NFL later on. Talk about Florida State basketball later on. A lot of things to get to. But after this break, uh, let's say hello to our friend Jordan Mincy, the terrific basketball coach for JU. He'll join us at 320. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Oh, you gonna take me home It's tonight. an old rock Thursday. Music the way it should be, or at least used to be, on The Frangie Show. Hey, we welcome back. It is an old rock Thursday. Queen on Old Rock Thursday, Frangie and Carl Lyon, Lauren Brooks, and our friend Jordan Mitzi, the head basketball coach here at JU. How you doing, Jordan? Good to see you. Doing well, doing well. Thank you guys for having me. We're one of our, our favorite trips this year. We can't wait to watch the game tonight. Talk awesome. a little hoops with you. Hey, um, tell schedule. I have to start all three on the road. Did, did they ask you about that before they scheduled that, <laughs> or did they put that down there? You know what? It's, uh, it's a unique dynamic. I was talking to one of my mentors this morning, Rob Senderoff, head coach of Kent State. Yep. And I was asking him, you know, have, has he ever had that experience of playing three on the road? He goes, no, nah, we, we, we've never had that experience here. And so uh, just trying to navigate, you know, a, a wave of emotion for our guys to kind of understand that, you know, it's a unique circumstance. And so I just kind of use uh, one of the teams in our league, Kennesaw State. You know, we both had similar records going into league play. Um, the only thing now is they have three wins, but right. they had three home games right. in comparison to our three losses, and we had three away games. And you and you also planned this, Jordan, where you planned three road games with your best player hurt. So, <laughs> so, uh, so, 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 so by the way, there's that. Yeah, so yeah, so uh, yeah. tell us about Bryce Workman. Any closer? Any? So um, he went to the doctor yesterday. They say he's about a week and a half to two weeks out. Okay. And so he'll be back uh, relatively sooner than we expected which is good. His bones are healing well. And so he's um, he's in great shape. He's still working out every day. He, okay. he just can't use his, his shooting hand right now. But um, that was great news that we heard yesterday from a doctor. Jordan, what kind of leadership have the guys provided going through this? Are you confident that they're going to weather this adversity and, and start getting hot? Yeah, so I was talking to Mike Fly, our associate head coach, um, uh, just a few moments ago. And he said, you know, Jordan, I told you when we had practice, you know, our first practice at the UNF game, how much energy we had in the gym. You would have thought we were 3-0 in conference, the way our guys were practicing. And, um, you know, it, they, they never raised stride. We had some high-character young men. And I know that, you know, they're all trying to do their best to make sure they get, one, 100% healthy, and, and then, two, uh, get back on the winning road. And so for us, we're just focused on just trying to get 1% better. The Dolphins out-rebound the Ospreys 36-17. to 17. When you look at those numbers after the game, it's like, how did we not win, right? Yeah, you know what? Um, I took fall for the UNF game. You know, you have a lot of time to 
do a lot of scouting. And I take pride in doing scouting. And so the one thing that we did, we didn't have our identity on the defensive end. Um, we kind of let them space us out. You know, we were so worried about the, the three-pointer. And credit to them, Coach Madrisco and his staff, they did a great job of adjust to our game plan. But I should have just stayed to our identity, who we are from a defensive standpoint. You know, they had too many. Usually we're a gap help team, and we allowed to, you know, stay at home and not have gaps and allow for them to shoot relatively high, 84%, if I'm not mistaken, in the second half from the field. Jordan, that's our, our guest at JU Basketball. I right, tell there's some new guys. Robert McCray, good player. The, the yes. Wake Forest transfer. Marcus Nyblack looks like a true point guard. Do you like this this mix of new guys? That's what college basketball is today. It's all new guys every year. Do you like this mix, what you have here? Yeah, you know what? I think Marcus Knobloch is a, a dynamic point guard that we haven't had here. You know, uh, Kevin Nolan was a really good player for it, but he was more of a scoring combo guard. Yeah. And so, um, you know, Rob McCray is a guy who he didn't have opportunity to really play away for us for two years. And now, you know, this is really his, his first full season of actually playing. And so, um, you know, I've been blessed to have different men come in and out this program, and I love these guys. You know, I have nine new players, but whether it's JUCO, uh, prep school, whatever level they came from, um, I love just being around these dudes and being able to practice with them every day. What does Queens do well? They The, the, the best word that comes to mind is fast. They're one of the probably the fastest, uh, most up-tempo teams in the country. Whether it's off of make or miss, we told our guys, you know, you can't celebrate tonight. You make a shot, you get a dunk, whatever it may be, you got to do a great job of sprinting back. Um, you know, their offensive numbers don't just jump off the charts, but when you see how fast they play, the amount of possessions they want to play with, they're always a dangerous team. We always talk about how much college athletics has changed, whether it's the transfer portal, NIL. How much do you feel like percentage-wise your time is taken away from the things you want to be doing because of the things you have to be doing? Oh, it's all the time. We, we did a roster breakdown probably once. We do a roster breakdown probably once a week where we try to see, you know, what guys may be trying to be approached off our, off our roster, okay. um, who we can probably get to come back next year. And so it, it's, you know, recruiting is so different in this day and age, and you're just always trying to see how you can have the best retention you possibly can for your, for your roster the upcoming season, but um, it's such a wild card. You just never know. Let me ask you this. You're, Jordan, you're a relationship guy. You're a relationship guy when you were under Mike at Florida. You, that, that's kind of your person. I've gotten to know you. It's your personality as a relationship guy. But, hell, it's hard now because they're all – I mean, is, is it harder for a guy like you that connects – that really connects with these guys to see it change, the whole roster change? Yeah, you know, you got a relationship. Um, you know, one of my players, he, he left, and now he's uh, he plays at Oklahoma State in the, in the Big 12. Yeah. And so, um, you know, he had put his name into the portal, then he took his name out of the portal. And he was coming back, and then he ended up putting his name back in the portal. Well, along with putting his name in the portal, he also got a $75,000 NIL deal. Yeah, and right, so, that's right. um, you know, I still talk to him all the time. Still got a great relationship with him. But at the same time, you know, a kid comes in and somebody's offering 75 and you're offering them zero. That's, yeah. a, that's a different story. And that's Mike Marsh, and that's a guy who you were really close to. Really close really, to. I mean, yep. I know you were. I know, and he's a 6'10", really good offensive center. Yeah. Yeah, and, but, that, but that's the world. So yep. 75,000 versus zero. <laughs> okay, I mean, that, that's, that's the, word, that's the word, word, world you're fighting right yeah, now. Yeah, no doubt about it. You guys have been so exceptional at home. I know you played the first three on the road, but how much now? Now that, now that schedule – tilts in your favor. favor yep yep you know what uh, we looked at it like a blessing you know um especially with bryce workman being out and you kind of see on the back end you have a lot of those games at home and it'll allow for him to actually play at home in those games and so that's that's a blessing um but at the same time you know you, you can say it but it's another thing to actually do it and so we have to make sure we take care of home court tonight starting with queens and then obviously we'll follow up on, on saturday as well 
You said you do a roster breakdown once a week. Do you have to kind of like eye the opposing coaches when they start to just chit chat with your players? Like, wait a minute, back, back off. We don't need any of that. Yeah, we, uh, you know, usually we play um, a high major uh, program, the mm -hmm. UCFs of the world. Uh, we have, you know, more attention to detail in the handshake line <laughs> to make sure we know what's going on. And so it's, no one's uh, walking away yeah. with money in there. <laughs> yeah, because uh. it, uh, it gets really shady in those handshake lines <laughs> all across the country. And Isn't so that crazy, though? <laughs> yeah. It's literally, wow. we, you know, we try to be real with ourselves and say, you know, you got players that are really good, and you have to enjoy them while they're there because the next year somebody in a bigger program is probably going to try to come and get them. And so that's just the life of college basketball. If you don't adapt – a lot of time you come extinct. I would think one way to battle it, you tell me, that tonight you're going to start two players from Jacksonville because Stefan's back in town now, and we all know Giassi. So you guys, two guys, mm -hmm. you've recruited guys from Jacksonville. You've got more mm -hmm. coming. Is that, does that help? Does, I mean, is, is it more, less likely a guy's going to leave? I, I mean, NIL money is NIL money. I get mm -hmm. that. But that's got to help some, right? Yeah, you know, we, we were blessed with the local talent that we were able to, uh, to I say acquire. I shouldn't say acquire. Yeah, we yeah. were able to recruit. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, you know, being able to see that, you know, you can go away to another program. Other people are going to offer, you know, different NIL deals. But you still have the opportunity to come here and showcase um, to be able to use this sometimes as a stepping stone. And, you know, we have some uh, two or, or three uh, really talented young men that are, that are coming in from this area. And they'll tell you, you know, I, in, in our recruiting pitch to them, we said, hey, look, you may be here one, you may be here two years, and then you may be able to um, transfer up. And so just come here, give it an opportunity. Um, you like the coach staff, you like the university as a whole, and I think this would be a great place for you. Is this climate sustainable? Uh, and, and what would be your recommendation, <laughs> if asked, about things to boundaries to put in? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's sustainable at all. You know, um, a lot of times, you know, the, the risk isn't necessarily worth the reward with, when, you, when you're talking about these young men. You're talking about 18 to 23-year-old men young men who um, a lot of times they can't even wake up and go to class. So you're talking about performing on a, a daily basis. That doesn't happen. And so it's very inconsistent. Um, and, and so for us, you know, we have kind of like this junior college model where, you know, hey, guys come in for two years and then we'll reassess the situation. And so, um, like I said, we had to learn how to adapt and understand um, where, you know, direction of sports are going, especially at the college level. But what's I think so sad about it is mid-majors especially had the guys who wanted to stay a long time. You're not getting the one-and-dones most likely. So you had guys that got to really experience a college career with the same coach for three, four years or more, and now that's basically gone. Yeah, it is. It, it, it's sad, as you know, Frank just spoke on, just the relationship aspect of that, having guys that come through your program as young men and then they leave as grown men. Um, you miss that opportunity now just because of how, you know, college athletics has come uh, just so much more of a business. And so, um, you know, it, it takes a little of the joy out of, out of the job. But at the same time, you still have some of those authentic relationships with the players that you have that, that graduate from your institution. And so um, that's a really cool feeling as well. Jordan Mitchell with us, JU Basketball Coach. Give us some keys tonight. Obviously, Zach Bell shot the ball well for you. Jerry's Cook, when he gets going, can really shoot it. Uh, who are some keys tonight? Uh, and obviously the obvious guys. McRae's got to play well and Marcus got to play well. Yeah, I think the one guy who's kind of came out of shell as of late is DeWan Pruitt. Okay. You know, he's a guy who, you know, when Bryce Workman went down, um, he came into the season, we expected big things from him. He averaged 11-8 and eight at his previous institution. And 
Um, you know, last game I felt like he had a little edge to him. He, he was making plays around the rim. Um, he had eight rebounds, if I'm not mistaken. He was part of, you know, that, that big-time rebounding effort versus UNF. And so for us, uh, we just got to make sure he has a good game along with Robert McCray, who's now 100% getting back to himself and playing at an extremely high level. Yeah, he's fun, by the way. If you guys – McCray's fun now. Yeah. I mean, he's really he's – he's a good player, man. I When I saw him for the first, the first game, I was, one of the road games, I thought – you know, Wake Forest transfer, he's going to be pretty good. He's in the ACC. He's legit, isn't he? He, he is. like, really is. He is. You know what? I, we uh, we sat down in my office this week, and I asked him why he wasn't as uh, aggressive um, at UNF. And he said, Coach, you know, I didn't really trust my ankle, and I was just trying to get back into the mix. And so we sat down and watched some of his clips from the Purdue game and then also our game on the road at Georgia Southern where he scored 33. That's probably the one that jumped off the page. That's yeah. Right. Yeah, and so I just told him, I said, hey, look at, look at the, these clips and understand this is who you are. And so remind yourself that you're capable of doing things um, that, you know, normal people just can't do. And so have confidence. You're not at Wake Forest anymore. You, you're the guy on the team that, that, that desperately needs you. And so he, uh, he said, Coach, don't worry about it. I got you tonight. What's the challenge of managing your bench and, and at this time of the year? Do you like to pare it down or do you like to keep it kind of open? And, again, how does that – with the portal and everything, what kind of added additional pressure is that on a coach? So we try to, you know, we want to pare it down, but obviously you have guys who perform really well in practice. And the one thing we try to do uh, to continue to get better um, each day is we, we go best on best. And so we don't do like starting lineup first, you know, the first five guys off the bench. We go, hey, look, let's, let's uh, pick the teams evenly and let's compete throughout the course of the week. And a lot of times, you know, guys will either win their spot or win significant minutes. Like this week we had a kid, Jalen Griffin, who hasn't really played, a freshman from Chicago. And tonight he probably will get in for about five to six minutes just based on his play from practice this week. Do you have a good relationship with the women's basketball team? Do you guys support each other? Of course. Yeah, special Jit, that's, that's my girl. She's she, awesome. Uh, she is unreal. And so she's going to do some big things, especially uh, when she's able to c- continuously build up her program and her roster the way uh, she envisions it. But she uh, she's doing a great job. You know, I really enjoy – being able to see her basketball mind and what she does in practice. She's unbelievable, so high energy, and she also has a, a great staff around her as well. Jordan Mincy, Jay, basketball coach, final thing. And by the way, come on out and see. you got a home game. You get the Swishers rocking. It's a fun place to watch basketball. It's a big one tonight. I mean, you yes. had to start three games in a row now. Now do you get to come home? I mean, I know you've told your players, and I'm telling your fans right now, this one's big tonight. Isn't huge, it? huge. Got to have this one tonight. It's, it's uh, you got to show up and make sure we got to have it. That's our whole thing we say. Guys got to have it. Jordan Messi, basketball coach at Jay. Hey, thanks for stopping by. Good luck tonight. Appreciate now. you guys. Thank you so much. All right. Back in a moment. This is 1010XL and 92.5. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's an old rock Thursday. Music, the way it should be, or at least used to be, on The Frangie Show. Queen is our artist today on Old Rock Thursday. See what I, I, see what I did Queen. there? Nice. Jay, you playing Queen? Gosh, very clever. I mean, it's you know, like so working smart. with a CIA you, you, operative. You can't, <laughs> you can't really slip one by me, Caroline. You can try, but that's not going to happen. Yeah. Just so you know. That was a very – I can't believe I didn't figure that out. Yeah, yeah I thought usually you – I'm you know, usually yeah. a song theme or music yeah. theme person. Yeah, but so didn't even think about it. I just love Queen so much I probably didn't think about it at all. All right, so explain to me this. We just talked about in the first segment Mike McCarthy staying in Dallas. 
Hayes, wouldn't you say that it was the defense that really fell apart for the Cowboys? Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, so how's Dan Quinn now getting head coaching opportunities and with the Commanders and the Seahawks? I mean, he may not get those jobs, but he's the one I feel like who's mainly to blame. Yeah, I, well, I, I think it's it's a couple of things, uh, and it was a debacle defensively for Dallas. Uh, Dan Quinn is easy to manage, so I think that personality-wise, he's – uh, a lot of owners look favorably upon him in GMs, like John Schneider's running the show in Seattle now. Uh, Dan Quinn will do what he says uh, and, and not raise a fuss. So I think that helps. Um, and, uh, and, and Dan Quinn is a, is a good leader of men. He is, uh, he's got the right temperament. Uh, he obviously knows the league. He's been a head coach before so, uh, and had success. Uh, so I think in looking at it, it, it it makes a lot of sense from ownership and, and general manager perspective, but also somebody that, you know, they feel good about is going to be able to uh, have the locker room buy in and, and maintain that. What, two things about the Dan Quinn thing that I did wonder, though, is was he distracted looking for the new or talking about the new job and wasn't he as good? I, just, I know you remember this, Hayes. When Mark Rick got the Georgia job, they played Oklahoma for the national championship. Remember that? Oh yeah. And and they and they lost thirteen to two. They were terrible on offense. And and Mark's a wonderful guy, but you're human. Was he focusing on his first head job? You know more than. And, and Florida State people have asked that question. So 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 to, to your point, Lauren, I wonder people might forgive him for one bad game, but in terms of getting a new job, but did that distract him from from his the job at hand? You never know. And I saw that Mike Rabel had his very first interview today, which it seems surprising, Hayes, that it's his first one, considering we thought he might even have a job already. Uh, so the Chargers interviewed him after they interviewed Jim Harbaugh. What do you think as far as Vrabel? It, it seems like I, th I still think Vrabel will get a job, but he may be in a little bit of, of a danger of missing out on this cycle, which is really hard to believe, but... Sometimes coaches take calculated risk. Doug Marone did it with Buffalo. Buffalo changed his ownership. Marone exercises a contract uh, stipulation where he can leave mm -hmm. uh, and get out of it. He does that thinking he's going to get the Jets job. Well, he didn't. And so he had to, his career kind of was paused. And then ultimately he got to Jacksonville and became the head coach. I, you know, Vrabel, I think, made a calculated risk in not liking Rand Carthon in the direction of, Tennessee's organization so he said I'm basically gonna do whatever I can to get fired knowing that I think I'm gonna get the Patriots job well the Patriots stuck with their secession plan uh, going from Belichick to Mayo which now I think leaves Vrabel in a tough spot because I don't think he's getting the Chargers job uh, so I it's I still think he probably because there's just so many I still think that Mike Vrabel gets a job but of the of the big names that are in play, mm -hmm. he's the one that now looks to me like, is he going to find a home? I still think he will, but it, I thought it was 95% he right. was going to get a right. head job. Now I'm down to 70%. I saw a list of candidate, the best candidates in order. I don't remember I saw this on one of the websites. Harbaugh won. Okay. Belichick two. Okay. I can live with that. I can live with that. I can live with that. Harbaugh one, Belichick. I, I would have Harbaugh ahead of Belichick. Really? As a candidate? Yeah. Not as an accomplishment. If I if I if I could have either one coach my team next year, who would you take? 
That's uh, a good question, but I'd probably go Belichick. Yeah, I, I would take Harbaugh. I, I would have Harbaugh. Harbaugh just seems to me like he has like a screw loose yeah, or something. Yeah, well, he does. He yeah. does. But but <laughs> I, but, I, but I would have Harbaugh would be my first guy. Okay. I mean, again, it's not not who's not who's got better Hall of Fame credentials, but who'd be better for next year. So Harbaugh would be one for me too. Belichick two. Ben, listen, Ben Johnson three. He's a hot guy. Everybody loves him. Elijah Evero, the Panthers guy four. Panthers defensive coordinator. Yeah. yeah. Vrabel five. Now, Vrabel – I mean, that's just silly. That if, if it was coaching my team, if I was the guy bringing in a guy other than Harbaugh and Belichick, Vrabel would clearly be my guy. Yeah. I mean, he would, he would clearly be he – would, he would cl- so I would have it Harbaugh, Belichick, Vrabel. Um, well, hang on, it gets better. Yeah, where's Pete Carroll? Yeah, not even on the list. <laughs> yeah. uh, Raheem Poor Morris – Pete Carroll. Raheem Morris, six. Mike McDonald, seven. Has this guy watched C.J. Yeah. Stroud's rookie season? Yeah, I know. Where is well, Slowick well, on this? Hang on. That's where I'm going with this. Okay. And Mike McDonald, for people who don't know, is the Ravens yeah, defensive coordinator. Yeah. Frank Smith, the Dolphins coordinator, eight. Brian, That's a made-up person. Brian Callahan. <laughs> but, but I'm with you. Bobby Slowick's tenth on this list. Wow. That's ridiculous. I mean, I mean now I, I thought, am, am I, is it because we see him up close and personal? But – I can't imagine that Bobby Sloak would be tenth on somebody's list. Yeah, that's a bad list. Yeah, it's got to be a bad yeah. list. So, but but I do wonder. So, Harbaugh is getting a job. We think the Chargers. Belichick now interviewed twice with the Falcons. I, I'm, I, Bill Belichick <laughs> to the Falcons makes no sense to me. But it looks like that's what's happening, right? Well, I, I think it makes sense, but it's also hilarious I, to me that they've interviewed the Falcon, him twice. Yeah. But it's the Falcons. What I think would be so hilarious is if Arthur Blank en- ended up interviewing Belichick like four times. <laughs> And then hired Raheem Morris. Right, right, right. (laughs) And said, not only am I getting back at you for 28 to 3, but I'm also keeping you from the wins record. Yeah, but I I, I can't – Belichick to the Falcons doesn't feel right to me. I know they've got some pieces. I I know I understand the why. But it's Belichick and it's the Falcons. Right. I mean, well, I mean, maybe he's got a little bit of the Spurrier perspective. You're of right. I want to do it somewhere that's never that they've never done, done it. it. Yeah, I, I agree. Could uh, be. Yeah, so that could be, and uh, it, it doesn't. Defensively, they've got some good pieces, and you know their coordinator is obviously interviewing here. So uh, defensively, they're not uh, right. a horror show. Right. And uh, he just has to find a quarterback. Cause it's not Ritter. So, uh, but, you know, they, they could be in a position to draft a rookie if he wants to go that route. Or maybe. Eighth, it should be high enough yeah. that you can get someone. Or, like. or maybe they go with, uh, again, Parcells used to have this, this line of, I, I don't like green bananas when it came to the quarterback position. He wanted guys that were seasoned. He wanted right. Testaverde or right, right, right. Pennington. And so, you know, Belichick could look at this as, I need a veteran guy. It doesn't have to be a star. Like, could Gardner Minshew in Atlanta being coached by Bill Belichick and what Belichick could do on the defensive side of the ball in Atlanta, Gardner Minshew throwing it to Drake London and Kyle Pitts and uh, uh, Bijan Robinson, could that work? I think it could work, particularly in a terrible division, probably the worst division in football. So, I mean, I, I think that could be appealing, but he's, if Belichick goes to Atlanta, I think he's got to find a capable, smart, veteran player that can supplant supplant Ritter and take advantage of those weapons Atlanta has. Is there a chance – I mean, they said you, – you made a good point. Belichick's interviewed twice there. You joke about it, but is there a chance they're going to interview him and not hire him? I, I guess yeah. there is, right? I mean, and by the way – To me, it's got to be a, a personnel yeah. thing. Like, well, you don't really have to ask him any questions about well, coaching. Well, and, and, and believe me, I, 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 I feel differently than Hayes does about Belichick. I think Belichick's maybe the greatest coach of all time – but I don't know that 72-year-old Bill Belichick's a great football coach. He was 4-13. and 13. 
I mean, and I, I and they had three losing seasons his last four. I don't know that he's a great football coach anymore. You can you can be great one day and not great the next. I mean, that, it does happen. But you would think once you interview him, you're hiring him. He's Bill Belichick. That's kind of the point, right? I mean, you would think, regardless of whether you feel that well, the way I feel or not, he's not a guy that would have to go through the paces, I guess is my point. Yeah, I would think the interview isn't so much, you know, what's your message to the team on day one. It's probably more like, okay, what's going to be our structure here? How do you see it? Will you be able to work inside confines of this structure if, mm-hmm. if, if Arthur Blank has a way that he sort of is visualizing it? So I would imagine the interviews are more about compatibility and the plan than it is, can Bill Belichick get my team to play at a high level? Because I think he can. Look, I mean, his personnel decisions doomed him in New England, and, and even the biggest Belichick supporter could never argue that. I mean, he, right. he's made some really terrible decisions in the draft. So it was an offense that had no quarterback and no weapons. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if they had been right about Mac Jones, he had nowhere to throw to. I mean, the, I mean, it, it, it's, 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 they have probably the worst set of offensive skill in the NFL. And that is certainly Belichick's problem and, and Belichick's fault. So, again, is it, is it having him coach and handing him the keys and saying, look, we're going to forgive him for all that? We've already got a lot of the pieces that he is, hasn't been great at evaluating other than the quarterback. So we sign a veteran quarterback – Belichick runs the defense, and we already have the weapons, London, Pitts, Robinson, so that he doesn't really have to go after that. Or is it, Bill, we're going to have a general manager that's going to have the final say on all this. Are you going to be able to work in that structure? So, and, and again, Belichick, if he, wants, if he wants Shula's record, he's got to get a job now. I don't think he can sit out, to Frank's point, at his age and get back in. Correct. So Belichick, I think – to get Shula's record, he's got to have a job this year. And Atlanta would make sense because I think they won, what, seven games this year with a complete clown at head coach. So I think if they <laughs> get uh, – if you put Belichick in there. They did. They finished seven and ten yeah. all three seasons. Yeah, Arthur Smith, who Smith. doesn't yeah. even, like, play B. J. Robinson. I mean, that <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Take a guy tenth over – or not to, in the top ten at running back like and then basically eight? be like, oh, we're going to have games where he just doesn't even play. Um, it, it's just idiot. Uh, and so I think in Belichick would look at that job as in a bad division. I can take them from seven wins to maybe even 11 or 12. And if he does that two years, he's got the record. I'll be interested to see because what, what if he is over the hill? And what if he, what if he hangs a couple four and five win seasons? Does it damage his legacy? Oh, I think it would. If he, yeah. if he takes the Falcons job and they're worse than they were under Arthur Smith, then yeah, yeah I think yeah. he'd. The, uh, it doesn't keep him out of Canton. He's oh, got all the no, rings, but yeah. does it damage the way people feel about it? I think it would per- permanently seal the Brady, Brady really Correct. was the reason that they had the run they had in, uh, in New England. And I think, most I people think people are already anyway. think that, I by do the too. way. I, do I don't too. know that him coaching for two more seasons, unless, yes, they are a really, really good team and the Falcons have some work to do. I don't know that anyone's ever going to think yeah. it was Belichick not Brady. But I think the flip of that is let's just say it's – let's say Cousins goes to – Pittsburgh and Minshew comes to Atlanta and there could be I haven't looked at the, there could be other free agent quarterbacks that might make some sense but those are the two that I think would be uh, make a lot of sense for Pittsburgh and would make sense for Atlanta because I think they're in similar situations if Belichick wins 11-12 games and let's say gets to the you know divisional round of, of the NFC playoffs with Minshew then I think, you know, it, it, does, it does give him a little bit more of a paragraph in that Hall of Fame resume of, oh, and he, when he left New England, he did have a, a nice second act 
in Atlanta. I, again, I don't think it's going to be for four or five years, but uh, and, the, and the biggest thing is Shula's record. I mean, that is it's gigantic. I mean, and I, I bet you Belichick has been thinking about that record for sure 15 he years. Sure he and he thought by now he'd already have it. And, 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 that, and that record is one of the few – nobody has records like baseball. Baseball's got the great records. But that's one of the few football records that, that can go toe-to-toe with a baseball record, don't you think? Absolutely. There's not very many. There's not very many. And it will never be broken. Right. If Belichick right. breaks right. it, that's it right. will never be broken. Right. Because of, to Frank's point, there, no one's ever going to get – Right. In professional football, I don't think you'll ever see anybody – coach 30 years at a, at a high enough level to to challenge that and, so. win, and win is high you know the high percentages that he won like Brady's worst season was when he was hurt and they were what like ten, still like a nine or ten yeah, win ten season six, yeah think. so that that's what you also never okay. see all right we'll take a break when we come back uh, I want to get to this Alabama departure thing has anybody left Alabama like in the last five minutes Yes, actually. I mean, it's amazing. They just it? lost a guy who just signed Grimsley, who it, Florida was really in on a it, corner. I mean, it is. So really, it's a, I mean. I mean, it's an exodus now. It's an exodus. So we'll talk about that more. We continue. Uh, we're live at JU today. JU in Queens tonight in an A-Sun affair. We'll be there to watch it. I'm excited about that. Hope you're coming out to watch the, the Dolphins as well. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's an old rock Thursday. Music the way it should be, or at least used to be, on the Frangie Show. Am I supposed to talk now? Because I'm just going to listen to Queen. And Freddie Mercury just belted out. Welcome back to the Frangie Show live here at JU. Queen is our artist today on Old Rock Thursday. We've got a giveaway right here, right now. One-year membership to the YMCA of Florida's First Coast. For a household up to two people, visit fcymca.org. For more information, be caller number four. It's 641-1010, caller number four. And you get that one-year membership to the YMCA. Talk about getting in shape for the new year. All right, Frank, as of today, Alabama has... At least 13 players who have either entered the portal or announced a commitment to a new school. And a lot of them good players. And a lot, I mean, a lot of good players. So here's my theory on this. And I've thought about And by the way, Jordan Mincy, if you didn't hear him earlier, told a great story. Mike Marsh is a six foot ten, broad-shouldered center. is a really good offensive player for Jay. He carried J.U. offensively the last couple of years. Uh, he's one of the reasons Omar Payne left. Omar Payne couldn't beat him in practice. And so, so he was a really good player. He and Jordan became really, really good kid. He and Jordan became really close. And he said, Jordan told a great story. He said, listen, we recruit you. We tell you if you, if you do well in the first two years, you can transfer up. So it's almost, part of the, it's almost kind of par- part of the paradigm now, isn't it, that players expect to, to go from JU to, to Missouri if they, if they turn out to be good players. So, so anyway, Mike Marsh comes in here, and he's one that does that. So he's, he's on his way. And he came from JUCO. And he came from – correct. He came from JUCO. That's right. So, so – he gets, he's going to go in the portal, and yet he's not sure he wants to do it because he's so close to, to Jordan. So he goes in the portal, then he's out, then he's in, then he's out. And he pretty much wasn't going to go. He, he, he said, you know what, I don't care what. That could be a bigger school, bigger conference. I'm close to my coach. And they offer him a $75,000 check. Well, Jay, you can't give you that. Jay doesn't have an IL. So you just got a $75,000 check for a kid that's not playing in the NBA. So this is it. I mean, he may play 
he may play in, in Europe or something, but this could be the end of his basketball career. It's the end of his college career. This $75,000 check. Well, that's a lot of money. Absolutely. If you're, if you're, if this is it, you know, if this is it, you're you're going to the real world next next year. Well, you're going to start with seventy five. That doesn't sound like a lot of money when you hear all this sports money, but in the real world, a seventy five thousand dollar check's a lot of money. Absolutely. I mean, if you're in your early twenties, I mean, yeah. yeah, that can be a down payment on a house. Sure, I mean, can absolutely. Right. That's and maybe twice as much as what people that age make. Yeah, yeah. So, no so, doubt about so, it. So, 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 I mean, I get that. So, having said that, here's what I think's happening in Alabama. I don't think Alabama and everyone said Saban controlled the NIL more than more than one of these collectives, but I also don't think they needed a lot of NIL money in Alabama because they're freaking Alabama and they're winning national championships left and right. Georgia's probably the same way. Well, all of a sudden Saban's gone, and now you and now some guy named DeBoer comes in there, and maybe all the college football people know he's a good coach, and maybe he'll turn out to be terrific, but he's not the guy that the, all the high school players were excited about when they went. Well, now I'm going to go take the NIL money. Now, all of a sudden, if School X says, I'm going to give you a million bucks, Alabama goes, I can give you a couple hundred grand. But we don't, we're not going to give you a million. We're Alabama. We don't give you a million. Okay, well, that's fine. But if I'm Isaiah Bond, Texas has got a million on the table. I'm gone. I think that's what – I think they didn't need the same competitive NIL arrangements when they had Nick Saban because they had Nick Saban. I think now, until they get that thing solved – what you're seeing today is what you're going to see. Yeah, Saban was a direct conduit from I'm going to play high school football to I'm going to make millions in the NFL. So the NIL component of it was not maybe as big of a emphasis because they knew that if they played for Nick Saban and did a good job that, I mean, they were a, a, an average player at Alabama is a third-round draft pick, a good player is a second-round pick, and a great player is a first-round pick, and they have a lot of those. So I – Saban was the key to unlocking that professional contract. Kalen DeBoer just doesn't have that. I mean, he doesn't have the clout with the boosters at Alabama. I mean, I'm sure they're excited to, I mean, that to have him. Um, they would much prefer Saban had coached another five years. But, uh, you know, but they, don't, they haven't watched a lot of Washington football. They, they don't really know who this is. And to your point, Frank, I mean, the prospects and players certainly don't. You know, Kalen DeBoer was not recruiting any of these guys. Right. And so, yeah, and, it, and it's tough. It, it does make it tough. The, the portal extension by 30 days for a coaching change really makes it difficult. I don't know that they – that seems, you know, if we're talking about tweaking things, that seems to be too much time. You know, why do you need 30 days from a coaching change? I mean, I, I, I think you could pare that down to like two weeks and it would protect schools that are going through this because – Again, look, this Alabama, you know, became Washington, became Arizona, because then Jed Fish leaves, and so now Arizona is dealing with it, and, and Fish is trying to get their players to go to Washington. And so it's, it, the whole thing's a mess. And if Harbaugh does take, let's say, the Chargers job, mm -hmm. even if Michigan fills that position in-house, that portal opens for 30 days. And so it's just it, – it, it, there's so many things here – that they can do a better job of regulating without taking away the substantial liberties of the players. And one of those is tighten these portal windows. You're still giving them the opportunity, but I don't know that you need a month of Kalen DeBoer before deciding whether you want to stay in his program or leave his program. It's January 18th. Two months ago, November 18th, how many people knew could name the Washington coach? None. None. I mean, think about it. Two months ago, he was just, I mean, 
Do you, can you tell me his predecessor? Uh, at Washington, who, 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 is it Chris Peterson? Chris yeah, Peterson. the guy that was there for so Chris long. Peterson was two two coaches oh, okay. ago. Oh, that's right. With Jimmy Lake. Jimmy Lake. I mean, yeah. how many? I mean, how many? How many people? Very nice, by the way. But 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 the, but the point is, nobody knew. Nobody knew who this guy was. And now this guy that two months ago nobody he was at Fresno State two years ago. Right. And so so nobody knows. And, and so nobody 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 knows what he looks like. I mean, a lot of coaches you at least know what they look like on the sideline. I've seen Dan Lanning enough. That maybe because he was at Georgia and around, right. that people know kind of knew. What, I don't think anybody knew what this guy looked like up until a month ago, and so and so. It's, it's I still don't know what he looks like, <laughs> but it's uh, he's right here. So it's, ah, that's okay, very yeah. but I mean, the, it, the reality is this is happening in other schools. Like Florida has lost quite a few players, and they have the same head coach. Yeah, like this was always going to happen yeah. to Alabama whenever Nick Saban retired. Yeah, the floor correct. The Florida thing's a little different. We had this conversation yesterday. The Florida people are leaving because they don't think they can win. Right. So if you're getting a bunch of money either way, let's go. I mean, Princely didn't leave because of money. Tre- Trevor Etienne didn't leave because of money. They, le- they left because uh, – tr- does Trevor – again, Gator fan didn't want to hear this, but does Trevor Etienne really want to run behind that line again, uh, right up the middle behind Jake Slaughter? Yeah. When you can go to Georgia and right and, – and by the way, Cedric Van Pran's gone – so I don't know who Georgia Center is. What I do know is he's first or second team All <laughs> SEC. Okay, right, yeah. I've no idea what his name is. I've no idea where he's from, but but he's going to be All better SEC. Better than Jake Slaughter? Probably better okay. than Jake Slaughter. And yeah. So and I don't and I and but, but that's kind of the point. So 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 anyway, this whole thing, I don't. So what's Alabama do? Do they fire up the NAL machine? Well, they're going to have to. They got to do something. And they really need Saban. See, this is where how Saban handles his retirement is going to really play a big role in how well Alabama does post the Saban era. Because the reports that you read is that Saban controlled the NIL money. And so now, does he turn that over to DeBoer? Does he still want to have a hand in that? Like, you'd like to think he doesn't. Well, he's got to get – I hope he gets out of that part of it. Well – but we've heard of coaches before that retire but still absolutely want to be somewhat involved in it. I mean, this happens in all, work, all walks of life. Uh, and for Kalen DeBoer's sake, he needs Nick Saban to purely fundraise and to not have a hand in anything involving NIL and which players are getting what. Uh, and so th- I think that's going to be really interesting to see. Again, all of this is so new. There isn't a lot of blueprints that these colleges can go to and look at and say, well, this is what Texas did. This is what USC did. This is what Florida did, and it worked or it didn't work. And this is what – I mean, again, we're not used to having a coach retire, and then the roster is basically open for business for a 30-day period where every other school can come in and throw money out because you know they do it before these kids get in the portal – I mean, they're supposed to get in the portal, and then the schools offer the money. But we know that doesn't happen. Yeah, tampering exists. Yeah, it it absolutely is going to continue to exist. So, uh, it's it's tough. I mean, again, it's I think it I think the climate today. If you're good in college football right now, I think you're going to only get better. If you're trying to build back to being good, or you're going through something like Alabama's going through, it's going to be really difficult because I, I just don't know that. A, you know, not that it's Kalen DeBoer's fault, but I mean, I think their roster, I think it's going to be the worst Alabama team we've seen in 18 years this fall. It's certainly possible, unless, like we were talking about yesterday, the spring portal window, they're then able to poach a lot of players because they then want to go to Alabama. I just learned two things. Uh, one, there are two options for Georgia starting center next year. One is a guy named Jared Wilson, and the other is a guy named Drew Bobo. 
any guess as to wow. his affiliation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Son of Mike Bobo. Yeah. So I would expect him to be the starter. But either way, here's the more important thing in that four, I learned. In four years, they'll be just, that guy, who, whichever one, yeah. will be the starting center for the Browns. Just right. so you know. Right. I, I smell Remington Awards. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but here's the, mo- the really thing that I learned that I found most interesting. So I go to Drew Bobo's roster page because I wanted to see, is he actually related to Mike Bobo? He is, right? But there is a link where you can pitch him an NIL deal. You literally just click on pitch an NIL deal, and I could offer, obviously I'm not going to, but I could offer money. Isn't that wild that it's that uh, easy? Yeah, it, and, and, and it is wild. I had no idea. But, but that, this thing is so the wild, wild west now. Who knows what? Who knows? It's honestly, it's become more professional yeah. than NFL football. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> NFL football has constraints, right, right, and contracts, right. and things that both parties have to. Well, the the teams can cut the player whenever they want, but right. but the from the player standpoint, you're sort of you're either going to play here, or you're not going to play. I mean, so in a sense, college football, it, it's almost operating at a more mercenary level than even professional football, which is a Astonishing. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about a player named Cam McCormick. If you don't know who that is, keep listening. Back after this. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's an old rock Thursday. Music the way it should be, or at least used to be, on The Frangie Show. With Queens coming in to play JU, Queen is our choice for Old Rock Thursday. you got to love some Queen. What a great band. You've, I tell you, Queen is a band because they're not top five for me, but they're they're there. They're, they're the, you forget how good they are. Queen is a great band. I Queen, absolutely Queen love Queen. Queen. And we had the cover song conversation yesterday. When someone will take on a Queen song when yeah, they cover it yeah. in concert, I lose my mind. I, I, I mean, I always lose my mind in concerts, but especially when it, that happens. Um, I, I, will, I will say one thing happened yesterday. We, so we had the, we played the, um, what song was it? Um, Life is a Highway by Life, Rascal Flatts. Right, but, but you told me somebody else did it first. Who is it? Tom Cochran. Tom Cochran. I don't know who that is. Should I know who that no, is? No, it was One Hit one Wonder. Hit wonder. He was yeah. probably like in his 40s when, because the video, I mean, he looks like he was, I, I don't know, he doesn't look great and so <laughs> now that we're in our 40s yeah. phase, i'm like right. oh, no well sure? i mean yeah. it's like yeah. it's one of those things that he's like haggard and <laughs> like he, he just looks like he's had a lot of life that he's like yeah. a like a lot of tough nights kind of thing tom cochran is from a canadian band from the 80s called red rider he is how about that, that? Yeah. have you heard of that band no okay. they had one hit called lunatic fringe uh, that's, so that's Tom Cochran. That's who Tom. So you knew yeah. Tom Cochran. I have no idea who that was. I didn't. You either. knew because it was a video. I just know the life is a highway video. Okay, and so that's where I know well, what he looks like. Well, and the significance of this is that I pick. There, two people have done it, and did I pick the country band over the non-country band, liking it better? If you like Rascal Flatts yeah, better than yeah. the original, then the answer is yes. That that that's the first time ever for me. Wow. I mean, because I mean. Is Travis Tritt still alive, right? I won't say anything he about is. Dead Guy. Because if Travis Tritt walked in right now, you can say what you're about to say. I'd punch him for redoing Take It Easy. I'd punch him. We walked right through the, Tom, if he walked right through that door, I'd fight him for doing. You can't do Take It. Can you do Take? You can't do Take It Easy, can you? I mean, I mean, you can't. It's, it's a, not allowed. It's not, yeah, no. not a good rendition of it. But they did a whole compilation album of Eagles songs, yeah. so somebody had to do it. Yeah, right. it was, uh, they did, didn't they? It was they country did. artists well, doing yep. the Eagles. Uh, well, I might fight them all, Tom. So <laughs> somebody was going to do it. Desperado, Put me down for nine copies. Yeah. Cl- <laughs> 
I didn't. I didn't. So is that what happened? I didn't yeah. know that. I didn't. Yeah. Should I have known that? I didn't know that. Did no, you know that? Did you? I, I yeah, did because you're that. an yeah. Eagles fan. You okay. should have known that. Well, I did, I mean, but he well, doesn't I, like covers. I don't like it. I don't like covers. I don't like covers at all. Unless he heard. Except, unless he heard the cover first, then he likes the cover better than the original. Yeah, the, the, that is true. Maybe <laughs> because I didn't know it was a cover. The uh, the only the the greatest. Can I take the greatest cover ever? Sure. Because the only cover I like. Uh, better, let me guess. If I let me see if I know this right. One cover I like better than the original. Is it Hallelujah? No, because okay. everybody kind of did that. Okay. Yeah, so even a Leonard Cohen wrote it, everyone did yeah. it. The one song that is better as a cover than the original. And I'll give you a hint. It's a Beatles song. And somebody trumped the Beatles. Oh, Joe Cocker. Joe Cocker. Yeah, you like okay, that one's get a little help from my that friends better. better. That's I mean, true. You know way too much. But, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that, that's the one. That, that music a, speaks to people's souls, that, and you have to get to that know. Is, that is a great song. That's, that's the one cover. So there, you, you know that's, that's good. That's yeah. free, free. Well, like, I, I would agree. We've, we've talked about this before. Chris Stapleton did Tennessee Whiskey. Right. Tennessee Whiskey is not an original song by Chris Stapleton. Yeah. But most people had never heard the original song. David Allen Coe, right? Right. Who wrote it. I think George Jones is the one who right. more people yeah. had heard sing it. But that's people don't technically consider that no. a cover because it became more famous once he put it out. The beauty of, of, of Joe Cocker's Goodbye with Hope, Little Help from Friends, he gets into that. He now. does. I mean, that is, that is just, it's he, a great he is just song. His, his whole soul. He leaves that whole oh, yeah. soul there. Um, big new, Kim McCormick. I don't know if you know who he is or not. But uh, hey, I don't know if you know this. He had a choice. A ninth year of college football or assisted living. Okay. 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 And he went for which way to go. So he decided he's going to play golf. I mean, the guy's just ninth. Oh, it's wild. Ninth year. Ninth year. It's his ninth year. I mean, what are we doing? Get a job, sir. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it's remarkable. And uh, we'll uh, – We'll see. I mean, you know, he's going to be 47 years old. He'll still score twice (laughs) against the Gators in the opener. uh, Eight for (laughs) 132 in two scores. (laughs) But, But yeah, yeah. it's amazing. He was in, uh, as the reporters are tweeting it out, he was in uh, Jalen Hurts and Justin Herbert's recruiting class. How can that be? He was in Justin Herbert's recruiting class. I mean, and I'm glad. I mean, it's four season-ending injuries, right? Yeah, Yeah. four straight season-ending injuries, which is when if I was his advisor, counselor, mom, dad, I'd be like, this sport is not for you, kid. Like, the universe has now told you, hang up your cleats and pick something else. And and, and, uh, ever since we got the COVID year, there's more guys that you say, how are they still playing? But not this. <laughs> this is, yeah. This yeah. Is and believe me. A little much. There's older players. There's guys like Winky who played pro sports in some other sport and came back and played in their 20s. So, I don't know. It, He's it, never had more than 89 receiving yards, and that was his very first season in 2017. Remember when the Jags almost went to the Super Bowl? That incredible. long ago. Last season, he had eight catches for 62 yards. So, that's the other reason I would advise him, like, maybe this yeah. sport isn't for you. You haven't ever had even 100 receiving yards in a season, let well, alone a game. Plus, academically, he's only a sophomore. <laughs> I kid, I kid. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is that. So. He's from Oregon. Maybe he just really likes – South but Beach. It, but it did get me thinking because it, cause the Gators open with I'm them. going back to college. Uh, yeah, you, you, sh- you should. Do you have eligibility left? <laughs> I'm sure I do. By the way, how many years did it take you to yeah. get through? Oh, about 11. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, um, uh, but it did get me thinking. Uh, that, that we'll talk more about this, obviously, as the summer comes along. But are the Canes going to be good? I mean, they have Cam Ward now. Are they, they going to be any good? They'll or they, be will talented. They be, will they be like 7-5 like and because that's what I they've become? Ha- I mean, I think you have to I, – I can't. I, I just can't say Miami is going to be a playoff team or, or a surprise team. And I do see that they're talented. I really like the talent that they have in the trenches. But I think their head coach just makes 
mistakes that are just inexcusable for this level. So I, I just I have to th believe, based on what I've seen, that Mario Cristobal is going to cost them two or three games just by blunders. And so because of that, I think they're probably going to still be an underachieving team. They might win more. What they win this year? Year seven? Something right, like that? Right. They might so. They might win eight. Uh, I, I don't have their schedule in front of me. So I could see maybe a slight improvement. Um, yeah, seven and six is possible. And, and I absolutely think they can go to Gainesville and win the opener. So, I mean, this is not a – I mean, they, they could walk out of the swamp 1-0, and I would not be surprised in the least. But in terms of the totality of the season, I'd be surprised if they are 10-2 and two and, you know, show up in the playoff. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that, that whole – for me – and I, could we, all, we talk so much about the Napier because that's what we cover. If you're doing radio in Fort Lauderdale, you're talking about Miami, I suppose. And But I, I – I mean, what what's his leash? Long, I think, because he's a Miami guy. Miami yep. guy, and and he has done a good job of of building their roster. And you know, I I I think from a roster standpoint, Miami should be pretty optimistic about what he's built. Particularly getting Cam Ward to uh, pass on the draft to uh, come lead their offense. So, I mean, talent wise. I think they're pretty good. And obviously playing in that conference, the resistance isn't great. I mean, we know they, they'll play Florida State. But uh, other than that, I mean, I again, not having it in front of me. but I've got their schedule. I mean, what stands out to you about it? Uh, not a lot. It's certainly more backloaded than frontloaded, but we already know at Florida. Then Florida A&M, Ball State, USF, at Cal, at Georgia Tech, at Louisville. So Louisville, tough. Duke. FSU, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, Syracuse. I mean, they should win nine games if they even have a pulse. Yeah, you, you would think, you, but you, but but, if, but, it's, but it hadn't been like that. But that's for them. the thing, and and that's you just worry about them against Syracuse, and for whatever reason, Cristobal does a terrible job managing the game, and they lose a game that they shouldn't lose. So, and, and you know my take on this, I, I've said for the longest, the Canes will never be back. Now the world's changed, but I, I said once it once everybody's resources started mattering and you couldn't just hoard the South Florida guys because now everybody could find them. See, see the reason Miami was so great from the late 80s to, to 2001, whenever it was, a little dip in there in the late 90s, but for the most part, 83 through early 90s, so, so for the most part that that was happening is because they could hoard those South Florida guys because people couldn't find them. I, sa I said this years ago, years ago on the radio, before there was 24-7 or Scalp, when it was this USA Today or, or Parade or Bally, remember Bally? I used to say, give me the third-team All-Dade County guy over the second-team All-American from Edmond, Oklahoma, and I'd probably be better. Remember that? Because mm -hmm. that, that, the Miami guy was better. Well, now Alabama and Ohio State and Michigan and, and Minnesota and Kansas State, they, all go find, they find all the South Florida guys. So you can't, you can't hoard them anymore. I'm not, sure Alabama, I'm not sure Miami ever comes back. I'm really not. This is, I think, the, the coach that, that can make it happen because of his ability to recruit and build a roster. And, again, if, if Mario Cristobal doesn't cost his team, then I do think they have the potential to, to win 10 games this year, which I would think would give them a good chance at, at the playoff. Um, you know, and it's, not a, it's not a crazy difficult non-conference. It's not their fault. The Gators are terrible. So, uh, you know, they probably thought, you know, okay, Florida gives us a pretty good non-conference game there. And, uh, you know, so I, I, if Cristobal can improve as a game manager, then Miami has a real chance. The problem is he's done it for so long now. 
it's like you just sort of are what you are. Does he still have upside? I mean, he's been a head coach now for many years. Yeah. And still, I mean, to make the mistake he made this past season when all you've got to do is take a knee and you win the game and, and you can't get that accomplished, like it's just it's hard for me to buy in to you is, is building anything of, of consequence when those are mistakes that are in right. your bag of tricks. No question about it. All right, we'll take a break. Let's get about to college basketball. Our friend Alex Ricker Gilbert. We'll talk all about JU Athletics. Uh, we haven't seen Alex in a while. He stops by in a bit. We'll talk JU Athletics with the Athletics Director. That's after this, so stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. I paid my dues. It's an old rock Thursday. Music, the way it should be, or at least used to be, on The Frangie Show. One of the more classic rock songs of all time when it relates to sports, right? Absolutely. We are the champions by Queen. Queen, our featured band tonight on Old Rock Thursday. Frank Frangie, Hayes Carlin, I'm Lauren Brooks, live here at the JU Riverhouse slash Cantina Rio. Alex Rucker Gilbert, the AD of JU, is set to join us in just a moment. RJ Saunders back at Tintin XL headquarters making it all happen there. And Tom Champion here making it all happen. I feel like I would have paid. If, I, if Freddie Mercury was still alive and still touring in like the early 2000s, I would have paid like a thousand dollars, which would have been a lot for me then. But to see Freddie Mercury, that would have been one. That'd been oh, one to see, no question. Amazing. I totally agree with you. Uh, let's say hello to Alex Rick Gilbert. He's the AD here at JU. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. How y'all doing? Great to see, to see you. you. It's been a while. Yeah. It has. Last time we were here was the River House. I know it. I yeah, know it. I wish the Jags were still playing, but I know you I guys know. have covered that plan. <laughs> yeah, we have. <laughs> So brutal. Right, so uh, you all dressed up. You're fancy today. You did a fancy the big game. Yeah, I came game. to see you, man. Uh, I had see, to look that's, what I, that's what I thought. That's yeah. I want to make sure of that. So um, you hey, forgot your sports coat. Yeah, yeah I did forget mine. <laughs> I did so. Uh, good to see you. How are things on the campus? How are things with JU? Good. Yeah, we're uh, second week of class for the spring. Yeah. So things are revving up. We were. Um, I was talking today to a group, and February's always crazy so we're getting ready for that we have 44 events on campus in 28 days so we got to have our staff get rest now I, i've told this story many times probably on the air with you here but one one day in february i hopped in the golf cart with alex you can't imagine how many sports are going on we, we still, i mean we were, we're flying around the golf. i mean it was, it was everything right yeah back then there was still football and there was lacrosse and there's women remember that it, yep. was, it, was, yep. crazy. it was crazy yeah i so. think baseball has 13 straight games at home oh, to wow. start the season That's softball perfect. might have 13 or 14 so yeah. it'll be fun it will be it's what fun. it's all about that's right let's talk a little bit about basketball yeah tonight. Uh, jordan was with us earlier um weird schedule that he had to start the first three conference games on the road i mean that was the, the weird it's just the rub of the green i guess but weird uh, is a, a nice way <laughs> to put it, <laughs> <laughs> it, it what, what, i mean is that the chance right i mean how's that happen it should it, should, it really it shouldn't should. happen yeah. um why did it why did it happen just the algorithm, and, and I think, you know, it won't happen again okay. based on what, um, you know, we've communicated with our new leadership at the ASUN and the yeah. commissioner and, and how it will work out. That will be one of the things yeah. we'd, we'd like to avoid, uh, particularly as you kick off league play. Now, on the other side of it, um, you know, we get three at home to close, right, uh, right, which right. is good. 
which is good. Um, so yeah, it's a little it's a little funky, um, but we'll, we'll manage through it, and we're glad to be back at home tonight. What are some strengths of this team that you see? Yeah, I think um, when we're healthy, uh, we're as good as anybody. Um, and we've struggled there, obviously, um, with with Bryce being out. Uh, we should get him back soon. And, and Rob being banged up to start league play. But um, I think the group is resilient. I think they um, – have started to play better in spurts, trying to figure out these new roles. I think they're tough. Um, I think they're going to battle through some of this adversity, and I think we're going to be a lot better down the stretch than we are right now. Because of the three road games, though, doesn't that mean tonight's even more exciting because it's the first home ASUN game? Yeah, we're excited. I mean, we haven't been at home in a month, um, and our students have been gone for a long time, and so we're, we're thrilled to be back here. Um, we haven't lost at home. Jordan's, I think, 28-6 and six at home since he's taken over. And so there's something about Swisher Gym that uh, usually allows us to play well, and I think a lot of it has to do with the students and the excitement. So, yeah, completely agree. It's great to be here, and we're going to look to play well. It's a great I – mean, he, he, number one, he knows how to use it. It's a great environment. If you haven't seen a game at Swisher, you still got time to get – there tickets? Can you get a ticket? Yep. Okay. Yep. There's still t- you can still get a ticket. It's, it's a, if you haven't seen a game at Swisher – it's a fun environment. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it really is. So um, uh, I like the team. I, I, I think McCray's really good. Uh, I, th- I, I really like Nyblack. Is Nyblack or Nyblack? Nyblack, yeah. I, I think he's a really good player. I, 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 God, I wish Bryce could get back. God bless him. But uh, I think it's a t- I like the team. I, mm-hmm. I think it's shoot- maybe a little better shooting team than he's had in some past mm-hmm. years. Is that right? I mean, yeah. Did we see yeah. it that way? Yeah, and, you know, you know we got we to gotta manage through without Bryce, but he will be back. Yeah. And we're getting – Better and better news, and he's close, and uh, Rob's good, and, and, you know, our young big guys are getting more experience. The kid Donovan Rivers is going to be a really good player. So, um, yeah, I think the team has a chance to be good when all the pieces are there, and um, hopefully that will be sooner rather than later. Thank you so much for the hats. Yeah, of course. Um, Do you like the – I know you're disappointed in how the conference schedule was was laid out, but do you like the – the postseason format, and can you fill us in on exactly how it's going this year? Are there certain teams in the league that, like, can't win the title or not eligible for the tournament? Or uh, I think Queens is the only one that's still in that phase of transition from Division Two to Division One. I. I think Bellarmine's through it. I could be wrong there. They might be in there last year, but I think they're through it. North Alabama's through it. Um, so I, I think the, the conference tournament – is good and bad. Um, I think, you know, the good is that you're guaranteed a really special environment in the championship game um, because it's high seed hosts and you're at somebody's home floor. Um, I think, you know, if I'm being honest, which, I'll, with, uh, which I will be with you guys, um, I was probably one of 10 ADs five years ago to say we need a neutral site tournament. Uh, I was voted down nine to one. I still think we should have a neutral site tournament. Um, I think it's a better experience for the kids. I think it's easier for fans to get to. So that's something we're talking about. Uh, I think the yeah. ADs are getting – it's a little more evenly split now yeah. between high seed hosts and neutral site. Um, but it's a conversation that will continue. And, and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if I saw something in the future where it was a neutral site tournament. Interesting. I appreciate your candor on that. So uh, I, I, you're passionate about it. I hear you. Good. We talked to Jordan about just how difficult it is to manage rosters these days with transfer portal, with NIL and things like that. 
as an AD looking at it, when coaches come to you and say, you know, they almost throw up their hands, like I did everything I could, but this happened, how do you handle that? Yeah, it is a different environment, and we're all still learning it. Um, and I think we have nine new guys on the team this year, um, which is a challenge. And then when you throw in injuries, you know, and you thought guys were in certain roles, then roles adjust, and they're new, that's, that's hard. And we got to remember they're 18 to 22-year-old kids. And so what I can do is provide perspective. Mm -hmm. I can provide support. I can provide ideas um, and just be there and communicate with him, which we've done. And, and he's, a, he's done a really good job of reflecting and understanding the environment we're in. And he's managed the portal well, both incoming and outgoing. And like everybody, all 360 schools in the country, we're sort of learning as we go with this thing because it's always changing. Alex, you were ahead of this. I'm going to give you credit. I'm serious about this. I asked you X years ago on this, probably sitting at this table, how you felt about the one-year transfer you see, or the, the, the one-year transfer without sitting out, whatever the rule is. Yeah. You, you, the one-time transfer. And you didn't like it. And you said, you said it's a mistake and it, it's going to get out of hand and it's going to be the Wild West. And I disagreed with you because just about everybody disagreed with you. Mm -hmm. Honestly, you were right. I, I never saw this. I, I, it's, it's the Wild West. It's free agency. And it's, it's almost kind of silly. Yeah, and you throw in, and I appreciate that, and, and you throw in, there's, there's other variables too. You know, NIL adds a whole other component to it. If it was a, just the transfer portal yeah. and the one-time transfer exception, you know, maybe it would be easier to manage. But when you throw in a variable of now compensating these kids and um, that being a carrot out there too, which just adds to the turbulence, um, in the environment, and then they see all that else is going on out there with the new proposal around pay-for-play that Charlie Baker's put out there, which is in its early stages, and they're going to be comparing themselves, right? They're on their phones, they're on Instagram, they're on TikTok, they see their friend as this, their friend as that, and so the grass is, they think the grass is going to be greener, and I promise you that oftentimes it isn't. And so when you transfer once, okay. But then if you allow these kids to go twice, three times, four times, they're never going to know what it takes to get through adversity, to work through hard times, to know what it is not to quit. And I don't think we're setting them up for life successfully if that's their option. Now, people can disagree with me, but uh, we're sort of seeing it in real time, and it's worrisome. The other thing is nobody's going to graduate. Right. <laughs> Who's right. going to graduate? If they're transferring after freshman, sophomore, junior year, right. at some point the credits don't transfer. Right. That's so. right. What do you hope will happen with the regulation, legislation? What can happen in the next year or two to change things? If I knew that answer, I'd, I'd be, I'd be uh, probably making a lot more money and, and sitting in a different chair and it's, uh, the, the answer is nobody knows. What do you, you want to see? Boy, it's hard to put the the cat back in the bag as they say we've sort of gotten so far over our skis that you know anything we try to pull back will just be fraught with litigation uh, you're just going to keep getting sued so um, I would like to see more control with name image and likeness I would like to see more um, mo more repercussion for bad actors um, but again we 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 implemented something without thinking it through all the way because we felt pressures and I and I was guilty of it I was on the committee so um, you know I would like more guardrails around all of it like if we're in this environment now where 
you know, the one-time transfer exception was, was, was something that we implemented nationally, and we said we're going to stop kids being able to go again. Um, and we put in guardrails around uh, that and not approving waivers. Well, then a federal judge came in and right. made a ruling where now they can for this year go a second time. I would love if that was pulled back. And again, it was truly a one-time transfer deal um, because kids would have to think more about their decision-making. Um, they would know that their decision comes with repercussion, positive and negative. And so with all of it, I would just like to see more thought and guardrails around it. But we've gotten so far out there with it all that I don't know how easy that will be to do. Everyone makes fun of the NCAA and the fact that it doesn't have as much power as it once did. But I do feel like the NCAA had rules to help student athletes, like you said, graduate, to be students first, athletes second, as much as we talk about sports all the time. But that really was the goal of, for people to graduate. Does the NCAA now just throw up its hands and say, we can't help? Well, I think, honestly, you know, the NCAA is an organization that's tried to help guide the membership. You know, they they help write the legislation. They they have ideas around what they think would be best for the association. But the, the folks who vote on all of this is the membership. So we are to blame ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like we have to look at ourselves in the mirror with this, yeah. too, as well as, you know, everybody just likes to point the finger at the, the national office because it's easy. But in reality, we approve the transfer th stuff. We approve the, the NIL interim policy. Now, if the courts get involved, that's different. And a lot of it is because of litigation and, and fear of paying more and more money in that space. Um, but yet right now, I think the NCA is looking to the membership more than anything to come together and create some consensus, which when you have budgets of $250 million at Division One level and budgets of $2 million, it's hard to do. So, Alex Ricker Gilbert with us. That's good stuff. Let's talk about Ju. Uh, give me a state of the, the, uh, the state of the union here. Facilities. You like where you are? Baseball. How are they going to be? Give me yeah. a, give me an overview. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think I think we're in good shape. Um, I think we're always trying to push the envelope on facilities. Yep. We've, we've talked um, what we want to do in the basketball space. Continue to look at where we can improve with. Uh, playing facility and how we can better develop our campus to, to bring the community in in that space. Um, I think for, for everything else, we're in a pretty good spot. I think lacrosse is great facilities, baseball, softball. Um, our rowing facilities are great. Those teams are kicking off here soon. Um, as far as our teams, you know, I, men's and women's lacrosse are picked to be good again. I think baseball is going to be good again. I mean, getting a guy like Evan Crest back for his sophomore year after being an All-American as a freshman is, is critical to us. We were able to keep everybody that we really uh, wanted right, to keep right. in, the, in that sport. So, um, yeah, I feel good about where we're going to be in the spring, and it's excited to get it all kicked off here soon. What were some highlights in the fall sports season? Yeah, we uh, our, our new men's soccer coach had a really um, – good first year all the way around we went undefeated at home made the conference tournament made some good steps for a first year head coach and we've just hired a new women's soccer coach he was the head coach at florida tech uh, made the final four division two and we're getting ready to uh hopefully announce soon a new women's volleyball coach so staying busy <laughs>
Is baseball practicing in these frigid temperatures? <laughs> so the first official practice, I think, is tomorrow. Okay. Um, but they've been doing their workouts for the okay. first couple of weeks. They've got the nice covered hitting facility, so I'm sure they're <laughs> in there. So they will. I know Hayes. They'll be in there. So uh, final thing, tell us about the the arena. I know it's going to happen at some point on this campus. Um, uh, I know that for a fact, and you've, you've even allowed me behind the curtain of some of the conversations. So uh, for the people listening, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I think um, what, we're, what we're looking at is really a larger development on our campus. We've got 55 acres of undeveloped waterfront property, and part of those plans hopefully uh, will be uh, sort of an anchor tenant on those 50 acres is a, a playing f facility not too far into the future. That's exciting stuff, Ju, and, and I and, and I think that's going to happen. By the way, and in fact, I, know I do too. Is. So, so I, and I think that's exciting stuff. Alex Ricky Gilbert, the uh, AD here at Ju. Good to see you. I'm looking, can't wait to watch a basketball game tonight. I'm looking forward, looking to, forward to having y'all. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for having me. One hour to go. This is 1010XL 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Here, that means it's time for more football. Football! Football at 5. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. On the Frangie Show. Queen on Old Rock Thursday as Queens College comes in here to play JU. We are live on the JU campus on this, a Stanley Pools Thursday. Glad you're with us. Frank Frangie hates Carlisle. Lauren Brooks, RJ Saunders with you. We've talked a little bit about uh, the national coach. I say the national, the NFL coaching search. Uh, nothing really to report on the defensive coordinator search. You got a gut on timing on that? Another week or so? I think probably 10 more days 10 more would days. be my guess. You, re you really need the head coaching carousel to kind of settle before the it, it it's not a hard and fast rule the Jaguars could certainly hire a coordinator uh today but it's it's just harder when the head jobs are still out there so uh, I would anticipate in the next week you'll probably see the head coaching carousel get largely filled and uh and at that point then I think you'll see the Jaguars move very fast at the defensive coordinator so I, I would say if I had to guess I'd say they're 10 days away from a hire of the names that we've seen, are there any that give you pause as far as like, oh, I don't know that I love. And I know everyone wanted a, a former head coach, and there's several that have not been that. But are there any of the names that you look at it? So I'll, I'll go through the list. Jet Safety's coach Marquine Manuel, Falcons defensive coordinator Ryan Nielsen, Giant, former Giants defensive coordinator Wink Martindale, Ravens passing game coordinator and secondaries coach Chris Hewitt, Titans defensive pass game coordinator Chris Harris, and Titans defensive co defensive coordinator Shane Bowen. Those are some names that we've seen. There's none of those that I have any problem with. I would trust Doug Peterson, so I'd like it to be somebody that you know has a lot of experience. Even as a head coach, I think that would be meaningful for the Jaguars organization. But to me, this is a hire that you know I I whatever Doug decides, I trust on it. Um, and you know ultimately, it's. It's going to be a hire he's going to be largely judged on. So, uh, no, none of those – any of those guys would be fine with me. Again, I think you have to uh, trust Doug Peterson on this one to get the right fit. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with Hayes. I trust Doug. I think he's a good coach. I think he's, a good, he's good at hiring. I think he'll make a good hire here, so I feel confident. I will say this. Without knowing any of them, I sure would like a guy that has been a defensive coordinator. We've got passing game coordinator. I got his call to plays. No, I think we're fine if it's not that, but I, I would love to – I love a guy that is – 
that has actually called the plays, you know, a guy that actually has, has been a defensive coordinator who has decided to blitz on third down or not to blitz on third down. I, I would really, I'm, I'm really hopeful uh, that that's what we wind up with. But it, it's going to be very interesting to see. I'm very interested to see the, listen, right now people are still talking, even though we're in mourning still, to your point yesterday, uh, I, I still think right now, other than these, this head coaching carousel, even fans of specific teams are caught up in the games. It's going to be a great weekend of games. I mean, a great, great. We're going to talk our next segment. We're going to talk about the games in a little bit. So it's going to be a great weekend of games that we're all caught up in. But I think the minute that Super Bowl's over, or even even the championship games are over, we're down to two teams because that's really when some of the other star- talk starts. I'll be very interested to see the the atmosphere around 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 Duval. Uh, are we excited again? Uh, because again, now again, we've had to mourn because it ended bad. Last year the record was the same, but it ended better. But I still think there will be a modicum of excitement and enthusiasm of who they are. Last time I checked, Trevor's coming back. Last time I checked, Christian Kirk's coming back, and, 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 and Travis Etienne's coming back, and I sure hope Josh Allen's coming back, and I'm thinking in some capacity he will. I think Tyson Campbell's coming back, and Andre Sisko's coming back, and Foye Lewican's coming back. You know what I mean? I mean, Evan Ingram's coming back. I think there's more in, – in an off season. I think there's more people to be excited about on this team in this offseason than there have been in a lot of years, not more than last, because last year was like this too. But I think there's more pieces to be excited about than three years ago, eight years ago, 11 years ago. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would agree. I, I think in terms of starting points, the 2024 Jags are well ahead of many of the Jaguar teams that have come before them. Uh, it's just it's hard to know where the Jaguars are going to fall uh, it, it certainly seems like Houston has passed them and will continue to pass them because they're going to have a better offseason. You would imagine they've got way more money to spend and they've got the better quarterback. I mean, you may not want to hear that, but that's the reality of this. I mean, you can't look at what C.J. Stroud did this year and say, no, I'd still take Trevor Lawrence over him. That, and, I mean, unless you're just blind. I mean, it, Trevor has to go earn that. Maybe, hopefully he will, but, I mean, so you, you're, you're behind Houston. Indianapolis has top five cap money as well, and we'll see what they end up becoming with Richardson. You know, I have my doubts, but still, I mean, if, if he's one or two games better than Minshew, and, again, I have my doubts that he is, but if he is, then the Colts are really good, and we'll see what becomes of, of the Titans. And so, I, yeah, the, the Jaguars certainly have a nucleus that, is respectable but is it good enough for them to now go and win 11 or 12 games next year win the division get into the playoffs i i think there's legit doubt i have legit doubts that they'll be able to do that i don't, I don't think they'll be awful but i think what where they're going to find themselves now is in that seven to nine win range which just isn't going to be good enough from a year ago when the jaguars took on the chiefs in the divisional round at arrowhead lost a close game to now they really only added as far as playing significant snaps the right tackle Anton Harrison and a wide receiver Calvin Ridley who we got all excited about but then when it came time to game times didn't always know exactly where he was supposed to be I think that was obvious the Texans added just with the first two picks that they had CJ Stroud and Will Anderson along with lots of other picks including Tank Dell that's where the personnel piece of this is going to be so incredibly important in order to take back the AFC South. So your worry is that they won't replenish the lines well enough. 
My worry is that it's just going to, again, some of these guys that we're excited about are a year older. So there's going to be, pr could be some decline there. And, you know, I, I think in looking at, I'm sure they're going to, I'm sure they're going to add interior offensive linemen and interior defensive linemen. I mean, I'm, I'm not worried that they're not going to address it, but are they going to pick the right guys to address it? Yeah, I, I, wor I worry about that. And, you know, I, I again, I, I think that, I think they have their work cut out for them. I think they're, they've arrived in terms of being a mediocre team. You know, there, there's no reason they should be a subpar team or an awful team next year, unless they just get crazy attrition uh, injuries. But, I mean, in terms of what they should be able to add to this team, they should be a decent team. That's, that's what I think. I think they're probably a decent, mediocre team. And if they're better than that, I would be surprised. Would you be surprised if they're better than that? It depends on what they do. There, there's I mean, there's without, so with, a long without, way to go. Without knowing that, would it surprise you if they do the right things and all of a sudden – by the way, I don't, I don't think they're headed – nobody does – nobody wins 14-15 anymore. But would you be surprised if you look up and they're, they make enough changes and they're, they're in a 10-11, 12-win team? No, that wouldn't surprise me because yeah. I still have faith in Trevor Lawrence. But to Hayes' point, he has, he has to prove it. And, yes, the team around him has to play way better in order for him to play better. But they've got to improve, certainly, the line. They've got to, I think, improve the receiver room. But if he doesn't play better, if he plays the last couple of years like he's played, then they're not going to win that many yeah, games. Yeah, I, so I'm going to still go back to what, I, what I've been saying. I'm not going to waver off what I've said all along because they, because they were lousy the last six weeks. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm, for me, I'm not wavering. You get coach and quarterback figured out, you generally are pretty good. Not always. Not always. You can't have a lousy team around them. But usually you get coach and quarterback figured out in this league, you're pretty good. Now, there's a difference between pretty good and winning Super Bowls, and I get that. But I, you know, I think they're going to be pretty good. And a team in your division, to Hayes' point, might yeah. have a better coach and better quarterback, well, and so therefore you're well, already looking up. Well, they certainly got coach and quarterback figured out, it would appear. I mean, it, it, it's a, but no more than people were saying last year that Jacksonville did. I, I, I don't find any more fond comments about – Houston this year are not much different than what they were saying about Jacksonville last year. The only difference we're, we're I would say – prison of the moment sometimes. Well, because C.J. Shroud's a rookie. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence didn't do that with Doug Peter – he didn't have Doug Peterson when he was a rookie, so it's a different conversation. Yeah, but there's so much love for C.J. Stroud because we've yeah. never seen a rookie and, do this. And he's really good. I mean, he, he, he's deserving of every – Absolutely. He's deserving of every – Well, the, the other component to this, too, is how deep the AFC is. Yes, the Jaguars potentially have coach and quarterback figured out. Well, so does – 12 of the other teams. I mean, you've got uh, Mahomes and Reed, Ryans and Stroud. You've got, it uh, looks like Harbaugh and Herbert. Uh, I mean, who knows Peyton and uh, what, what Denver ends up doing there. Uh, we'll see about the Raiders. You've got Harbaugh and Lamar. You've got Burrow and Taylor. Uh, you've got Stefanski and we'll see about Deshaun Watson. But, I mean, that you got yeah. McDaniel and Tua. Uh, McDermott and Josh Allen. I mean, it's it's pretty difficult. Aaron Rodgers, if he comes back, uh, Salah, I think, is a, a good defensive coach. So if, if he gets good quarterback play, you know, the Jets could be something. I mean, to me, I, I, of all Peterson the, and Lawrence fall kind of in the middle of Of all that. the guys you just listed, Trevor certainly falls in the middle of that. In my opinion, of the guys you listed, I'm not going to put Doug Peterson ahead of Harbaugh. John Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh. Let me see him as an NFL coach, but I don't think he's going to be good. 
but I wouldn't put him ahead of John, and certainly not ahead of Andy Reid. But I don't know that that, that other guy, those other ones you ran off, for me, I don't know that I think they're better coaches than Doug Peterson. I, 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 mean, I, I mean, again, he lost at the end. If Had he won the game, he'd have been in the playoffs five of his first seven years. No, he didn't win the game. I get it. It's been four of the first seven years. But, no, I don't, I don't know that. I wouldn't put him ahead of John. Obviously not ahead of Andy Reid. Obviously wouldn't put him ahead of John Harbaugh. I'm trying to think of some of the other. I mean, other what if the Steelers get Cousins? Yeah. Cousins well, and well, Tomlin would be better. Well, well, that if they get I, him. If yeah, they yeah, get yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I mean that's a, uh, we don't even know if they're pursuing him. You know, we, we yeah, don't. I'm we just saying. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, but the Steelers could be. Yeah. You wouldn't put him in it now because yeah. of how much, bad the quarterback is. Yeah. But they have a star yeah, coach. Yeah. Absolutely. How much, I think the question, Frank, is how much do you put of the way the season ended, how much do you put of that on Doug Peterson? I Well, coach is responsible for all of it, the good, the bad, and the indifferent. I, I, I still believe in my heart something – you're right, something uh, – apart from injuries because everybody has injuries and every – some their fight wasn't the way you wanted it to be. There, there was they didn't they got outfought, didn't they? They clearly by a got, team whose head coach was fired a well, couple days. Well, later. they got outfought at the end of the. They got outfought by the Bucks. But they yeah. got out, they got outfought. Several teams. They got outfought down the stretch, and that's something they got to fix. Again, I think it, we'll see. We'll see. I, I again, well, there are so many years after the season: one win, three wins, four wins, two wins, five wins. What are they going to do? Pick first, pick second, pick third, uh, pick first and ninth. Pick you know what I mean. I, I like the fact that, at least for now, that's gone. You know, at least for now. Maybe it comes back and we have to do it all over again. But I love the fact that at least for now, that's gone. Back in a moment, 1010.92.5. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's an old rock Thursday. Music, the way it should be, or at least used to be, on The Frangie Show. College Hoops tonight, J.U. versus Queens College. How about the Knowles, by the way? Give him credit. Unbelievable. He's, he's, he, I'll say one thing about Leonard Hamilton. He's been around so long that some, they, they were lousy forever under him, then very good forever under him, then not so good. But you know what? And people that I know over there will tell, tell me that, and, and you can see it. They play for him. You know that? You ever notice that? I mean, they, I mean, I mean, they, they're, there's never, there's never, ever, any controversy. Kid getting mad. Kid quitting. You ever, you ever notice that? I mean, they, who knows who's a good tactician? I'm not smart enough to know who's a good X's and O's basketball guy, other than Billy Donovan or Coach K or whoever. But they, they play for, they play for Leonard Hamilton. I, I think players that get out of there are glad they were there. Do you get that read? Oh yeah, absolutely. And it will be fun to see if they can keep this going. And I, it, again, can they find their way? I mean, their conference record is outstanding. If this mm-hmm. continues to play out, yeah. uh, five and one. Yeah, then obviously they'll have a, a tremendous case for the NCAA tournament. It just was such a rocky out of conference. Right. But uh, but and they, they looked bad. And they yeah. they weren't because you, you made the point. You were right. They looked really bad in the. But in they the have they have figured something out, and uh, it, you got to commend them for it. So. Will it continue? That'll be fascinating to watch. It's surprising to me of all the games that Florida State has left because they're in the ACC, only two against ranked teams, North Carolina and Duke. Are the, and they're both in the top ten, so really good programs. 
But I feel like a the ACC always has seven teams in yeah. the top 25. I think the SEC is kind of caught it Usurped and, yeah. and yeah. passed it. I mean, yeah. I, I think the, the SEC emphasizing basketball mm -hmm. has hurt the ACC. Yeah, I will tell you this. I, I, I don't know that I believe the SEC will perennially be ahead of the ACC in basketball because there was a gulf between them over the years. It's better this year. I mean, there's no question it's better now. It's better the last and year The SEC is a better league this year. That's what it's I'm just, saying. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's a better league. Now, now, they're better in a lot of leagues. But, the, I mean, the ACC this year is, I mean, North Carolina is always going to be good. And Duke, even without Coach K, is going to be good. But I don't get the sense there's, I mean, for a while there, when they added Pitt and Syracuse, oh. it looked like they were going to be a great league, got greater. You oh, know? yeah. But, well, uh, it's been but a right, phenomenal league. But there's but, no arguing that well it's F just where is it right now yeah i agreed yeah. FSU, fsu by the way is five and one in the acc oh and two in the sec yeah now if in fairness that was earlier sure, yeah but they lost i mean they lost to florida and georgia and florida rolled them. florida beat them right. florida <laughs> beat them by florida led by 30 yeah and, and beat them by 20 so so there are two teams in the top 25 for the acc the ones i just mentioned with Carolina and duke the SEC has four, and then, of course, if you want to count Oklahoma because Oklahoma will be joining, you don't have to right now, but it yeah, would be well, five. And I can tell you this, that dang SEC is good, man. It, it's, I mean, that, can, that, that, that Tennessee team the other day, the, yeah. that, that to me, and I haven't even seen Auburn, who's supposed to be the best team. Auburn, they say Auburn. Where's Auburn ranked? And Auburn's really Auburn's good. Auburn's 13th. And where's Alabama? But that's behind, of course, Tennessee is sixth uh, and Kentucky's eighth. Okay. Alabama's not in the top 25. Okay, but the, but Miss now is, though. That Tennessee team, that's a Final Four. Do you think that? They certainly could be. Yeah. I mean, their coach doesn't have a great tournament right, record, right. No, so that right. always concerns me. But, uh, but yeah, certainly they look like they've got the, uh, the, the makings. Well, they of got Larry Bird. Right, that always a, helps. And a traditionally de good defensive team. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you look at, uh, like, the bracketology, that kind of Lenardi and, and the guys that project the field. You're always so good about looking at that. I think uh, I want to say the SEC is second behind the Big It's like the Big Ten, the SEC, and then a chasm uh, in terms of teams that make the tournament. I think the Big Ten is projecting 10, and the SEC is projecting 9. And then I think the next is maybe 6, last I looked. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's SEC has become a really deep league. What do you think Florida is? Ordinary? Streaky? Good. They've run into this basketball team. Yeah, because they have. In fairness to them, now the start of the SEC schedule has been yeah. brutal. If I they mean, were, really has been hard. If they were a stock, I would buy the stock. Yeah. I think that they have an enviable amount of talent. I still think, and I like their coach. I think they're trying to figure out some things, uh, and they strike me as the kind of team that could gel in the back half of the conference slate, and maybe get a win or two in the SEC tournament get into the big dance and then who knows if the if the draw is favorable maybe you know maybe get to the sweet 16 so I still believe that Florida basketball has a lot of potential for this season and so we'll see so what to answer you, your question I, I'm I, I more, more good than bad what more good than bad what do you think they're, by the way they're listed on bracketology and ESPN as the next four out yeah I, I don't, I'm not sure they're a tournament team I yeah, I mean, the pieces have to all come together. That's yeah. the, the part Correct. that when you have that many guys who have never played basketball together, you just expect them to play well, and that doesn't always happen. You, but, you know I, like, I thought Micah Hanlogton would already be doing a lot more than he's doing, and instead it feels like Alex Condon is coming on more. They don't have a go-to guy. They don't have one guy to take over. 
I thought maybe. I feel like we've said that for so many years yeah, about Florida yeah, men's basketball. Yeah, we have, we have, and they've been they've been missing the tournament. Yeah, but there's not there. I I really like Pullen. I think he's their best player. Um, I think Clayton, when he gets hot, is their best scorer, best shooter. But the rest of them, I think, are just okay. I, I think Han Logden. I think Samuel's is a good physical player. I think Han Logden's up and down. Condon's a freshman. Kugel can be great one night and then just terrible because he forces things. There's just not one guy. The, the great teams have that guy. They have that one yeah, guy. Yeah, or they have the guy that I shoots mean, really well from the perimeter, and that's what Dalton connects to. And, and, and they don't shoot the ball. But the, 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 the last great Florida team, the 14 team that went to the Final Four, the Patrick Young team, they were all good, but Wilbekin was the takeover guy. Don't you? Wilbekin's the guy that – and they were all good. I mean, you get was a really yeah. I don't think teams like going that. to the final four. Well, well, I mean, I mean, but, I'm not saying yeah, that, but, but, but I do think they could. Yeah. I do think they have the potential. I mean, we'll see. I mean, they may struggle and they, but, but they may fairness, finish with a losing record. But if I had to gauge them on January the yeah. 18th, I would say that I think Florida gets it together, gets into the NCAA tournament. You know, as a 10, yeah. you know, eight, nine, when, 10 seed, something like that, and probably is out early. But again, with yeah their ability to rebound, oh. uh, I, I think they would have a chance to pull an upset. I'll defend them in this regard. They're one and three in the conference. When your first four conference games are, are Kentucky at home, at Tennessee, and at Ole Miss, that's at two ranked teams. That, that's two top ten teams of your four. Of your, not top 25, top ten teams. Two of the four are top ten teams. Um, road games against two ranked teams. The, one of the best programs in college basketball history in the home game, and you lost by two, that's a, t- that's a tough start now. I mean, in, in, fairness to, in fairness to them, what you hope is that tough start doesn't cripple them to where they're, they're, they're wounded enough that then they can't go win at Missouri. They that's need to win the next three. Yeah, the, the, if they win the next three, then you're starting to see it come together. If, if they're one and two in their next three, then you bury them. I, yeah. I will say it tended to, or to me it seemed like Florida thought, different players thought they were getting fouled at Tennessee, and they weren't getting the calls, and they weren't finishing the plays. Yeah. And that, if I'm head coach Todd Golden, that's something that I'm incredibly frustrated by. Yeah. The, uh, the, let me say this, too. The, uh, um, yeah, I watched Georgia, because Georgia's going to be compared to him, like it or not, because Mike White's there, and he was at Florida. They're 13-4, and they're 3-1 and in the league. I watched the Florida-Tennessee game. And I watched the Georgia-South Carolina game. Did you, watch it? Did you watch that game at all? I haven't watched Georgia this I, year. I watched the whole game. I watched the whole Georgia-South Carolina game. Florida's better than Georgia. Did the eye test, even though Florida's 1-3 and three and Georgia – forget the coaches. Even though George, Florida's 1-3 and three and Georgia's – now I'll say that and they'll get swept by them. But I'm just telling you, yeah. to, to the eye test – I'm not worried about Georgia. No, but to I'm me, that's a, that's a get back yeah. to me in March with but, where yeah. Florida and Georgia are in the respective standings. But I'm just telling you, to the eye test, yeah. I thought Florida, Florida, Florida was better. By the way – Florida and Georgia and South Carolina both came in 14 and 2 and 2 and 1 and 13 and 3 and 2 and 1 or whatever the numbers. But Florida Florida's better. Florida should beat both of them. Just 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 the eye test. I worry more about Mississippi State because they're physical like Tennessee is. So. Yeah, that Tolu Smith they're, he's and, back. And they're physical. They're a physical team. We'll take a break. Lauren's going to wrap the program in news and notes. Stay with us. The Frangie Show live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? What's going on in the world? It's time for Frangie Show News and Notes. Here's Lauren Brooks. Open your eyes. 
If I made you both sing this song right now, would you know every word? Yes. That's what I thought. Pretty close. I had a feeling. Queen today on Old Rock Thursday because J.U. plays host to Queens tonight, tipping off at 7 o'clock. All right, gentlemen, Albert Breer does a weekly mailbag, and this one, this question and answer are Jaguars related. I'll sum it up so I don't have to read it all, but basically the fan named Richard wants to know, is there a power struggle in Jacksonville given the fact that Doug Peterson turned the offense over to Press Taylor and the offense regressed? And here's Breer's answer. It's funny you ask because there was at least some buzz the past few weeks of the season that the Jaguars' front office, led by Balky, was looking hard at where the offense is under Press Taylor. Peterson's loyalty to his coaches is what, in the end, wound up leading to his firing with the Eagles. Yeah, that's been, I, I don't I don't know enough to know that answer. We all can guess at the answer, uh, but that's been a talker. The talker has been he turned Doug turned over the play calling to Press Taylor. Uh, when things didn't go down down the stretch, people blamed Press. Doug defended him as he has in the past. People connected to the the last days in Philadelphia. I don't know that I believe that. But it's naive to suggest people aren't at least talking about it. I don't, I don't know the answer. I, I don't know the real answer there. Again, I'm a big Doug Peterson guy. I think he's a really good football coach. Whether or not there's a disconnect between he and Trent, Trent Balky, I don't know. It's yeah, Breer's reporting is, is accurate on this. Uh, to, to what extent, you know, Balky in the front office is frustrated and upset with the offense is, is a little bit more unclear. But uh, but it is not it is not at all surprising that he is reporting that Trent Baalke had issues with the offense. Good to know. According to Demetrius Harvey of the Times Union, Anton Harrison, we know this to be true, played 1,113 snaps this past season, his rookie year. He battled through injuries and Hayes. He underwent minor shoulder surgery just after the end of the season. We've already talked about him glowingly as far as a right tackle being a rookie and how few pressures he's allowed. But now to know he played through injuries throughout the majority of the season. Yeah, he's tough. And, uh, yeah, that was an issue all the way. Remember he missed, like, the first couple of days? Uh, not the camp. first couple, Correct. but yeah. maybe Very practices three and four yeah. uh, with the shoulder. And we were all like, uh-oh, you know, because yep. that's not going to get Absolutely. better as, as he plays yeah. uh, his rookie year. And, and again, to go through and, and face the, the level of edge rusher that he did on a week-out uh, basis – it does speak a lot for Harrison's potential. And so, I mean, he's somebody that, you know, every, everybody that's a Jaguars fan should be very excited about Anton Harrison. And, yeah. And it's good that he, you know, he got it done right after the season. He should be, you know, good as new by count. Yeah, the big question, and you're right about that, and, and they said all year he's going to have to have surgery after the year. It was, well, it was widely known. And the question would become could he, could he play through the pain? And he did. He played well. The big question becomes now – is do they keep Cam Robinson, who's under contract for another year, and Anton Harrison is again their right tackle, or do they move on from Cam Robinson, which some suggest they will, and move Anton Harrison to left tackle? There's no doubt in my mind Walker Little's not going to be the left tackle. Either Walker Little's going to be the swing tackle because they keep Cam Robinson at left and Anton Robinson and Anton Harrison at right, or they move on from Cam Robinson, Anton Harrison becomes the left tackle, and Walker Little becomes the right. It's going to be one of those. That's the big question. I don't think anybody knows yet. No, and again, that is really a, a, a tough call. I think a lot of it's just going to depend on financially what are the Jaguars looking to accomplish this offseason and do they feel like they can accomplish that with Cam Robinson's number. I, I, I think they like Cam Robinson as a player, but obviously you have to worry about the injuries, the suspension. Obviously, I don't think it's going to happen again, but if Cam makes another mistake, 
in regards to that. Now it's a, obviously a much longer suspension. So all those things that you have to factor in, you know, is, if they like him enough, they could try to extend him uh, and bring that number down. But it is a big number, and they get a lot of savings by releasing him. So a lot of it is just going to be how did they view it? That's what we don't know. You know, with, I agree. We don't know is it because of the collapse are more, are more changes needed or are they going to ignore the collapse and basically be like we have the group and we just hit a bad month and a half and we're going to we're going to absorb some some high numbers here but we can do it it'll just limit what they can do in free agency i still think they'll release cam robinson harrison will be the left tackle little will be the right tackle very economical there and uh, and they'll use that savings with Cam Robinson to devote somewhere else. That's what I think, too. I think they're going to cut Cam. I think they're going to move Anton to the left. I think Walker Lowe's going to be the right. And I think they'll use that money elsewhere. I think you, exactly what you just said. The one pause I have, I was very confident at midseason that was the plan. I wonder if because of the struggles of the offensive line down the stretch, if they rethink it. I don't think they will. I think what you said is what's going to happen. But I do. It, it runs through my mind. Will they rethink it because the line wasn't very good down the stretch? We'll see. And they sure love Cam. We know that. All right, time now for today's takeaways. Now, today's takeaways brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. My takeaway is this is a big night for JU. Uh, they're 6-0 at home. Queens College is 0-9 on the road. So, uh, Ju needs to get it done, shake off a uh, disappointing start to a Sun play where they had to play the first three on the road. Get a win tonight. You feel better about it. Vegas likes them by two and a half. I think Ju covers. Yeah, I'm gonna say my takeaway. We didn't get to this yet, but college football athletic departments are going to spend 200 million dollars in buyouts this season. Just this season alone, $200 wow. million dollars in buyouts. We've got people complaining left and right that payer, players aren't getting paid. Maybe that some of that money should go to players. All right, let's say hello to Rick Ballou. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers, equal opportunity employer. Rick Ballou joins us now on this Thursday night. How you doing there, Rick? I'm all right. Everything's good this way. How about you? Very good. Do you think uh, they keep Cam Robinson, or do you think they cut him with one year left on the deal and move Anton Harrison to left tackle? All year long, I said they would cut him. I am really under the impression now that, that Trent Baalke has been told that if this thing doesn't get fixed, they're all gone at the end of the year. So I think it's going to change uh, the plan on restructuring contracts. And I, I think there's a little bit more pressure on Trent Bulky and Doug Peterson to win this year. You know, for instance, I thought all along they'd redo uh, and, and give the max amount of money to Trevor Lawrence. They're not going to do that now. There's no need to. Make him play year four of his rookie contract. But when it comes to guys like Cam, I think there's a better chance that he sticks around than I thought the entire year. My opinion would be, let him go because you bring back $17,750,000. And the guy's missed a lot of games. He's been hurt for three consecutive years, plus he got popped for four games with his suspension. So I would move along, but uh, I'm wondering about this. It's a, it's a fascinating part of this offseason, and honestly, that's part of what I'm going to begin with here tonight. I got quite a few of those scenarios. All right, what else is coming up tonight? We know that part. What else? Uh, we're going to find out about Wink Martindale, okay? He's one of the candidates who's already interviewed here, so we're going to go out to New York City, uh, bring a very talented writer to tell us uh, the pros and the cons, if you will, of, 
of Wink Martindale and, you know, a, a major fallout there with Brian Dayball. And apparently he's got some loyalty in his blood, very similar to Doug Peterson. So he's in a candidate. I would have to think right now him and Ryan Nielsen are probably the two favorites. I'm just speaking out loud. I don't know that. But we're going to yeah. learn a lot about Wink tonight. He's well-traveled, including Baltimore and New York. Get an understanding of what he could bring this defense. All right. Rick Beluga's into the night right now. Thank you, Rick. See ya. Rick Beluga's into the night right now. That'll do it for our program. Thanks for being part of it. Hey, if you got a chance, come watch some college hoop tonight. J.U. plays Queens College in an A-Sun affair. Can't wait to watch it myself. We're out of here. For Hayes, Lauren, and RJ, I'm Frank Frangie. Don't go anywhere. Rick Beluga's next on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Thank you.